Welcome to Bad Puns Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keene, and today we're discussing Red Heat, released by TriStar Pictures on June 17th, 1988, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Belushi, Peter Boyle, Ed O'Ross, Larry Fishburne, Gina Gershon, Richard Bryce, and Brent Jennings. Written by Harry Kleiner and Walter Hill, and Troy Kennedy Martin, directed by Walter Hill. Do, do we know when Larry changed to Lawrence? Do, do we have a year or a movie? I know by The Matrix he was Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, yeah, definitely by, by The Matrix. I think he's still Larry in Boys in the Hood. So I remember I watched that You're right. relatively recently. I'm like, oh, yeah. he's still Larry. Yeah, I think it was like around, it was like a year or two after that. I think I think maybe like What's the Love Got to Do With It was maybe when he switched. <laughs> that would be an interesting like, one. This is a, <laughs> I actually think that may be what it is. It's some, somewhere around there. Because that was after Boys in the Hood, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that definitely was. Um, so yeah, that would be my guess. But uh, th- this is prime. Like he's still in uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse territory here. Yes, like, still co- what, what, cowboy. What's co- his name? Thank you. I couldn't. I knew he was a cowboy. I didn't. I actually have it written down somewhere. I'm not going to find it. It's right. like deep in my notes. I know I have it there, but it's way deep. When you really think about it, there was there was actually some great talent on that show because Phil Hartman was on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, and then uh, I went on to co-star with Arnold and Jingle All the Way. Yes, uh, and so yeah, uh, when we get to that one. So anyway, what did you think of it? I, I, I know I've seen this movie. I saw it in college maybe, but it's funny. Watching it again, I remembered nothing. I'm going like, none of this is ringing a bell. <laughs> I had the exact same reaction. Yeah. I don't know when. I don't even remember when I saw it. I, this feels like a movie. Uh, sophomore year of high school, I went to set like a personal best of how many movies, and I watched well over 100 movies that summer in between freshman and sophomore year in high school. I, I remember you telling the tale of yes. this is the, your, the mythical movie summer. Yeah, and I, I wish I still – I had a, the, the names of everything written down on a yellow legal pad. I wish I would have kept that paper. Oh, that would have been awesome. The fact that you actually did, yeah. thought to write it down, and then, I, but then I, you didn't keep it. I no, when – I don't remember if it's when I moved out of the house. At some point, I cleaned up. And I got rid of it. And in hindsight, I'm like, that was so dumb. There, I mean, there just was no reason to get rid of it. And yeah. I did. I had every movie that I watched in order. I didn't have a date or anything, but I had every movie I watched in order. Uh, it's funny because just today I was looking at my Netflix history and I went like, what was the first Netflix movie I watched streaming? Oh. Ooh, ooh, come on. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there to the listeners at, at Bad Puns Podcast on Twitter for them to guess what Kevin's first movie on Netflix was. And this is streaming, right? So this is not the, the DVD right, via mail. It was in 2008. Oh, 2008. Well, I'm just going to stop you because there's no point in building it up because I've already forgotten what it is. But it was some, oh. it was some kid's movie. <laughs> I, I, I thought that this was going to be like something that was going to be great that I was going to guess and you don't remember what it was. No, I just, you just happened to bring up your notepad. Oh, and I went okay. like, oh, I happened to do But I, I had already forgot. I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise that I can't remember. That's, that's This true. is me you're that's talking fair. to. So um, to, but, get, to get back to the point at hand, I had the exact same thing. I didn't remember anything. And I have a much better memory than you do. Yes. And I didn't remember anything about this movie at all. Okay, but what, what did you think of it? So what did, um, it, I think it's just because I've seen so many movies that have a similar formula hmm. that, to me, I, it's not one that I dislike or I like. It just kind of exists, I yeah. think, for me. Yeah, I liked it okay. I kind of, I, I'm coming, I, I feel pretty similar. I think it's, I may have liked it a little more than you, it sounds like. I, I, I liked it, but yeah, it doesn't really do anything to stand out from the formula. It's just kind of doing the formula. It's the buddy cop movie. And- right, a little bit fish out of water, a little bit buddy cop. And I, I definitely had a little bit of 48 Hours, which isn't a surprise uh, ba- based on the director's filmography. Yeah. Uh, so I, I got that, and I, I think that's just what it was, is it, it 
Because I haven't seen this many times, I, I thought of all of the other movies that had the formula, and this one just doesn't stand out. Yeah, but I think I think the difference between 48 Hours and this is there's a lot more... I mean, chemistry isn't even enough. Like it's, there's actual tension between Eddie Murphy and... Uh, and uh, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte in that yeah. movie. You know, like, they hate each other, and at least it's something, whereas here, I don't know... You know, it's... Red Heat has such an interesting premise. It's a, you know during, set during the Cold War, made during the Cold War. Right. A communist cop coming to Chicago and having to team up with a Chicago cop. Already you're going like, oh yeah, I could see how that would be a really good movie, but they like don't want to take advantage of it at all. Like the premise is they don't they don't do anything with that premise. Like you know, Arnold could be from anywhere. He could have, he could have been an Austrian cop. He could have been a you know a, a Chinese cop. He could have been from any place. You know, a, a Spanish. Like pick pick a country. And you well, you wouldn't have to change the script at all. Like basically, for the most part, you're right. There's a couple of jokes that might change, but let, let's let's get one thing straight though that. Arnold would not be a Chinese cop, so you definitely well, would have I'm to recast that, the, yes, the role. I understand. Character. I just wanted to make sure. There's a lot of things he might be able to pull off. I do not think he could pull that off. I'm saying you could make this movie. All, you know, the fact that he's Soviet during the Cold War almost never comes up. People interact with him as if it's the most natural thing in the world. It's like, oh, yeah, here comes another. This happens every day. The Soviet cop comes into the police station. <laughs> no one treats it like it's unusual. The guy at the motel is just like, oh, yeah. Another Russian, okay. I mean, granted, in this case, there actually was another Russian, so maybe he's gotten used to it by the time Arnold shows up. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, I, shouldn't people be treating this like a bigger deal? I think so, and I actually had to go and look and see when this was made, because my first inclination when I was watching it, I felt like it was a movie that had made, been made just after the transition. Uh, and I know they say Soviet, but almost like this was a, a PR piece is what I, I, it felt like to me, and yeah. I had to go see. I'm like, no, this this was made before the wall came down. Yeah, I mean, it is like post uh, Glasnost, right? What it is, like the opening, like, you know, the, the, the kind of Gorbachev, right. we're going to open up relations. So I guess that's true. But, you know, there were, you know, this is a year before the Berlin Wall fell, but nobody knew that that was, nobody knew that the that Cold was War imminent. was almost over. Yeah, right. I mean, as far as anyone knew, Cold it War had, going on for another 50 years. I was going to say it had been going on for 40 plus years and would, for all intents and purposes, looked like it was going to continue to go on. Yeah, I mean, we were pretty young in 1988, but I remember what it was like during the Cold War, even during those like relatively like tame. Yeah, it was still like scary. I mean, this yeah. is only two years after Rocky Four. You know, <laughs> if you're going to compare, uh, you know, Soviet uh, characters, or whatever. But you know, it was still a big deal. Cold War was not, you know, so I, it's, it feels so trivial in this movie. Yeah, it, it does not feel like something as you said they they took advantage of. And that the interactions from the other characters, while there are things that acknowledge it, people—I don't know if people should be frightened, but it, it seems like they should be on edge. That there's, you know, a, a maybe not when he's dressed as Gumby, but when he first arrives, it's right. very clear that he's from the Soviet Union. Yeah, he's got his medals on and everything. He's right. very uh, imposing. Yeah. And you know, Jim Belushi's character—you'd think he'd be like this, like all-American. He's gonna you know, argue and talk about how, why America is better and yeah. all that. Like it comes out in little bits and pieces, but not but very much, not very much. It's no, it's, and yeah. And you know, kind of talking about it out loud, maybe what it is is for political reasons. They, they didn't want to have it be too American patriotic. Now it's not, it's not for the Russian film market. Like we have today with the Chinese that because it's such an important market, like we can't do things in scripts that might be fine offensive in communist china yeah maybe and and you know this is the first movie american movie to be allowed to be to film in, in red square so maybe that was kind of part of the deal it's just like we'll let you film here 
But you can't. Right? You, just, we, you can't say we anything. We can't have Carl, Carl Weathers dancing around, <laughs> right? Exactly. Ready to box Ivan Drago. Yeah, with uh, with James Brown with dancing. James, the- James Brown. I feel good. Boy, if if Jim Belushi had James Brown follow him around this whole movie, I think I would like him a lot better. I I would have very much enjoyed him <laughs> a lot better. Uh, but I do like the you know, I still like the movie, and I I I like the fact that it's a cop movie. It's not really an action movie. It's more. It has more in common with stuff like Dirty Harry or even like French Connection. Like, it's two cops following leads and interviewing people. That's true. Occasionally, you'll get a chase, but really, there's not a lot of action. I mean, it, it, it is more in the tradition of those sorts of things, or like Running Scared, a movie that I like that I, I people it's not very well known anymore. But uh, you know, that kind of a cop movie, even though it's action packed, it, it feels much more in common with those than something like Die Hard or Lethal Weapon or the cop movies that are more action packed like that. You're, yeah, you're, you're definitely right about that. This one has more of an investigation feel than it does um, an action movie. And there certainly are. Look, there's a number of gunfights, there's a bus chase. Right. So, I mean, it, it has some of the elements, but those, I think, are secondary, and this is more of a cop movie. And it feels relatively grounded in reality. Yeah. I mean, granted, some stuff is kind of over the top, but not to the degree of, you know, an action movie like, like Die Hard or something like that. No, right? not at all. I, I, you're, you're right that it, it plays a little Hollywood with a few things, but not very much. It does feel like it's in the real world. Yeah, and I liked that. I like seeing Arnold in that context because yeah. I, I don't... I can't think of any other movie like that. I mean, the closest thing would be Last Action Hero, following leads and things. I mean, in that movie, the lead is just, he pointed the house and said, the bad guys are in there. Danny solved the entire case. Right. All those years at the Academy were totally wasted. This is one of the few movies where Arnold actually has to do follow Dude. the actual leads and all the years of police training. He's actually, he's, he's using those years. It's about time. Yeah. But so, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think I feel that much differently from you. It's... Um, it's just not one. It just isn't memorable. It's not one of his memorable movies. I think. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: How did you feel about Arnold's like performance? Because he's very. He's. It's a much more serious role. He's not having as much fun. Like it's very stone faced and. Yeah, and and I think for the tone of the movie, it was right. But at the same time, I think I would have liked it a little bit more if they would have one because I don't really like Jim Belushi, and since he right. got most of the comedic moments, I think it was. Twice as bad for me is that I would have liked Arnold to have a few more and, and have maybe a couple of zingers or one-liners. And he, and he did a little bit, but I would have liked more of that for him. Um, yeah. And I think I would have liked the product a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we're not the only ones who feel that way because I, I have a clip. I'm just going to play this now since we're talking about it. Fired up. Uh, so this is – I stumbled across this. This is Siskel and Ebert on Oprah – in 1988, this is right after this movie. You've been doing a lot of research for this one. I enjoyed this clip a lot. So, so uh, I, I actually also looked. I watched their review, but it wasn't as interesting as this because this. So it starts with a guy basically asking them a question about Red Heat. Okay, so I'm going to play this clip. Has Arnold Schwarzenegger finally arrived? Because it seems, for the most part, that most of his movies seem to be the special effects that make them. Mm-hmm. You know, with the fact that he's married to one of the Kennedys and all the rest. It's a very odd question. In the family. It's the production that does... What's that got to do with anything? I agree with Oprah. With it. Well, no, they, uh, he, was already, he was actually already a star before that happened, but you're right about the special effects. But I think what makes Arnold successful is that he has a sense of humor that goes along with the special effects, and he doesn't... You can see that he doesn't take himself that seriously and that he has fun. It's true. He's pictures. right. Yeah. So yeah. he's not yep. a real... And Maria didn't make Arnold. No. No. Well... <laughs> Maybe, but to, yeah, I don't uh, know. This guy had an agenda or something. I don't know what. Apparently so. 
Roger's right. It's a sense of humor. Rather, Stallone comes on as Mr. Beefcake, you know, Mr. Machine, sort of <laughs> robo-actor. Uh, These guys are both so great. It's, humor about it's too bad they're However, both gone. Yeah. I think in the film Red Heat, his latest release, I think yeah. that Schwarzenegger is much too uptight. See, I know it's the character. Yeah, and that's where you missed the point. We've already had this discussion on our show. Uh-huh. He doesn't, you don't seem to understand that the whole point is that I Schwarzenegger know, never cracks a smile. And Jimmy Belushi, who plays a Chicago cop, is always trying to joke with him. And the, if, if, if Schwarzenegger had a sense of humor, the character wouldn't work. I'm saying that the character is much too uptight. What it would have been much better is... Yeah, if I Belushi think we're both agreeing with Cisco here. Yeah. Schwarzenegger, which he does not. I would like to see Big Arnold... So I'm going to skip ahead. They play a clip from the movie. ...rendered small, if you will, and dominated That guy kind of looks like Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super intense Tom Cruise yes. in the crowd. No idea. Oh, I think, uh, Before he was going to jump up on Oprah's couch about <laughs> That's right, 15 yeah. years later. That's why I mean, he was intense then. He was getting ready. How many people like that scene? Whoa, not a hand up. But it's one scene okay, out of context. How many people dislike that scene? He said it was played exactly right. right. <laughs> okay, did you notice that one person put a hand up that liked the scene? No, the, no. Now, the okay, now I'm going to share with like the, that they I'm going to share with the audience at home that while I was watching the monitor, Oprah and Jean were having a big conversation that everybody was laughing at. <laughs> Nobody watched the scene you except for no, me. No, no, you no, that's why? not true. What is true is they're I talking said, all about wait, Oprah saying, "Oh, the whole. No, they're going to kill each other. I know they're so good. Boy, Arnold looks good in a suit. Jean says, "Oh, he's naked in the first scene." Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, then I no, said, no, I said, he's doing a movie down, with Danny so DeVito, and that's it. Vote as to whether they like the scene I'm or not. I'm going to commercial. I'm going to commercial. Back in a moment. Wow. <laughs> it's a pretty long clip, so maybe I'll, were, cut, yeah. I'll cut part of it out. But, uh, I just, I just thought that was really funny. Like they're just screaming at each other on Oprah. They're just, they, like they don't even care that she's there. Like they just take over her show, just like screaming at each other. No, it is pretty great. But it also, I, I'm, I'm with you, and I'm with uh, Cisco on that. I, I. I can understand what the point of his character was, but I still am not sure in the execution. I, I think I would have rather him had. He didn't. He didn't. It wouldn't have been great if he was constantly making jokes, but I, I think one or two breaking from that mold would have been really entertaining. I mean, this was made before Terminator 2, but I think that's the that's the model, right? Is you yeah. know, it start he starts as a machine and by the end he's cracking jokes and all kinds of stuff. So I th- yeah, I think by the end he should have softened a little bit and made more jokes like the end, the end scene where they're saying goodbye some kind of a joke. I mean, I guess they're joking about baseball or whatever, but I don't know. Like, there's nothing really to indicate he's... No, that he's kind of... The ice has melted a little bit. <laughs> right, it exactly. Just, it hasn't. And uh, it's it's interesting that you found that clip because they, they do hit the nail on the head. That what, what kind of made makes Arnold have that charisma, I think, is the fact that he... And it's not just on screen either. You can tell in interviews, um, even when he was the governor, that he doesn't take himself that seriously, that he can poke fun of himself. Yeah, I know Walter Hill had said he didn't want Arnold to be doing that. He didn't want... Arnold winking at the camera and all that. Like he wanted him to be playing it straight and playing it serious. And yeah, I don't know if that was the right decision. I mean, I, I, maybe if they had gotten someone other than Jim Belushi, it would have worked. Like yeah. someone who's actually funny or even like Danny DeVito or something. I yeah. So, all right. Uh, I wanted to save this until we got a little bit further in, but it, so here's my question to you. And uh, I, maybe you don't agree with me, but I, I, I don't think that Belushi really works that well. So what my question to you and maybe the audience at bad puns podcast on Twitter, for those of you those of you that follow us, who who do you think I have an I have an idea and a suggestion for one? I I'd like to hear if you've got any ideas of who you think might have been a better you know kind of running mate partner on this. I mean, there, I mean, there are a lot of people who would have been great, but I don't know if they would have been willing to do. It. I I don't know if Danny DeVito because it is a little too action packed. I think for Danny yeah. DeVito, 
Uh, no offense to Danny DeVito, but you know, it's like he's not. He was busy doing twins with him for this year too, because twins true. came out the yeah, same it was year. later in the same year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Eddie Murphy, he could have gone more of the forty-eight hours route. Just somebody who's genuine, who's naturally funny. Yeah. So here's here's who I was going to suggest to you, and it's going to be a callback to our last episode. Oh wait, <laughs> it wouldn't have been Carl Weathers, would it? Yes, that's oh. what my. What do you think? My idea, Carl Weathers, because I think Carl Weathers is legitimately he can be funny. Do you think he's naturally funny, or do you think he's just funny? Like he's 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 very charismatic for sure. Yeah, and certainly much more than Jim Belushi. Um, it's funny because he's credited in this movie as James Belushi, so he's the pretentious one, and Larry Fishburne is the casual <laughs> one. As their careers went on, they swapped. Um, but yeah, I, I I could see that. I mean, That's, this that. is, this year he made Action Jackson, which right. is certainly not taking itself too seriously. And this would have been a much better probably fit for his career, and probably would have been a better movie for him. That's certainly true. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I could see that. That uh, was that was as I was watching this, and maybe it's just because we had just done Predator right. and been talking about it. But I really, I'm like, man, this actually would have been awesome to have Carl Weathers in this. Just anybody but Jim Belushi. <laughs> I mean, really, that's my answer. I mean, he, Dennis Franz. He's from Chicago. I don't care. <laughs> right. George Went. Just, yes. <laughs> George Went. Just roll out all the Chicago guys. Um, or actually, Dennis Farina, not Dennis Franz. Dennis Farina. He's from Chicago. Just oh, let right. him do it. Oh, the, okay. Dennis Franz would have been okay, but yes, Dennis Farina would have been amazing. I think Dennis Farina would have been amazing. He's, he is really funny. What's the movie? Oh, oh, oh. Out, out of sight. No, I mean, he's great and out of sight. Boy, I saw some movie. I think it was something I, I did a review for when I was doing movie reviews all ages ago. Oh, I'm going to have to cut this out because I don't remember. But it was some movie where it was a comedy, but he was like the only one who seemed to realize it was a comedy, and he was hilarious. It was wow. an awful movie. What the hell was it called? I can't remember. But anyway, yes, I love Dennis Farina. I mean, I, I, I am 100% on board for Dennis Farina. Okay. All right. Well, then my set, my, uh, one of my ideas worked. You, you yell enough names into a microphone, eventually one's going to hit, right? <laughs> yeah, Dennis Franz, I was like, ah, I could see that. that. But <laughs> who I was thinking is Dennis, Dennis Franz. Franz. I'm from Chicago. Yeah, uh, I, I Dennis Farina is who, uh, who I was thinking of. I am on board. Dennis Farina and Arnold Schwarzenegger teaming up. That would have been amazing. And he would have been authentic Chicago. It would have been perfect. Yeah, well, I mean, Jim Belushi is also authentic Chicago. Yeah. That, doesn't, that alone isn't going to get you there. No. Uh, speaking of authentic Chicago, uh, I, it's one thing I like about this movie. I know we're, we're, our intro is dragging on, but I, one thing I really like is the way that this movie does not like dwell on all the Chicago landmarks and all that. Like, I think it's one thing, as, you know, since we live in the Chicago area, like Chicago movies have a real tend to have a real... Uh, like self, uh, I don't know what, what how I describe it, but it, just they they do seem to go out of their way to find the landmarks that people know about Chicago, yeah, and get them in the movie unnecessarily. Yeah, it's like that second city thing of just like it's it's, it's not you know it it lives in the shadow of New York and it's always trying to show like Chicago, look at all what we yeah, got, look how amazing Chicago is. Like so many Chicago movies do this. This movie does not, and I I, I like that as someone who lives in Chicago. It's like. I love movies more than I love Chicago. So yes. it's like, yes, I'm glad this movie doesn't dwell and just like spend time. Look, it's the Picasso or whatever. You know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think one of my favorite movies filmed, but not necessarily taking place in Chicago, is The Dark Knight for exactly that reason that right. it gets parts of the city. Now, some of it was because it, it fit the script and what, they, what Nolan wanted. But that's what I love is it, there's a bunch of different parts of the city where I know exactly where it is, having worked down there all the time. Right. I'm like, that's the Chica- That's like the real Chicago. That's what I want to see, not the stupid landmarks. But even the, even Dark Knight kind of fetishizes LaSalle Street a little bit and, and Lower Wacker, or there's a chase down there. Like, 
it it ha- even though it's not Chicago canonically, it still take it has it shoots scenes in places that are very recognizably Chicago. That's true, at but, least the people in from Chicago. Yes, but see, no. that's what I like is that I think that that movie did more of pulling the things for people from Chicago would really really yeah maybe know that it is, but it's not the ubiquitous you know getting Wrigley Field or like you said the Picasso or um, right the um, you know Buckingham Fountain that kind of stuff isn't isn't in here and I. I I do like that, that it feels, I mean, I think the year that it was filmed in two, the city was a little grittier, you know, it's cleaned up a little bit. I know we, you know, have a lot of violence right now, but in terms of like the downtown where some of this stuff is, it looks a lot different in the mid to late eighties than it does today. Yeah. Well, and that violence stuff, I probably probably shouldn't get into it because it's a landmine of a topic, but I think that's very misleading. Yes. A lot of people who see like, oh, 600 murders in Chicago. It's like, that's, it's, it's, mis- it, it's not, what people imagine is, oh, if I go to Chicago, people will just walk up and kill me. Like, right. it's not random violence. It's gang violence. It's, yeah, it's the, the majority of it is, and unfortunately, it's in particular neighborhoods. And then right. when you even look, the thing that pe- people don't realize, but is that where the murder rate was in all cities, including Chicago, it, yes. around it's still lower than it was in the significantly 90s. lower than the nineties and even the eighties. In particular, the eighties, it would be you know topping like a thousand homicides. Now, some people will argue, and we're getting way too far off topic. Is that uh, shootings? <laughs> it's, a, it's, is, a, it's a cop movie. It's, it's true. set in Chicago. We can talk about. Is it. that actually some of the reason why there aren't as many homicides today is because of advancements in technology in um, medical treatment is actually some of the reason why ah, I didn't think about that, that actually what you should track is shootings and not necessarily homicides um, because and it's true because there's a, f- a lot more lives that are saved by EMTs and the ability to get people to hospitals and also what they can do triage right there kind of at the scene but anyway way off topic yeah I, I, I just last last comment on that because there was I just read an article a couple of weeks ago it was in the Tribune is from like June or something that kind of covers the gang situation in Chicago and like why the murder rate is up. And right. it's, it's actually a really interesting read. I don't remember the name of the article, but it's from, the, it was from June or July in the Tribune. So, um, but it's basically just like one of the major gangs was taken out by the feds like t- 10 years ago. And like all the street level guys have no leadership and they're just whatever. It's just chaos. So you know, to this, it, there's yeah. actually reasons. It's not just like, Oh, Chicago is dangerous. It's like vast majority of the city is very safe and like, much like you said, it was it's it was much grittier back then. Now it's like it's, yeah, the media coverage and attention that it gets it is, just annoys me. Is, but anyway, is unfair. Let's, let's move on. So let's it move irks, to Chicago. Well, first, I guess let's move to Moscow. Yes. in 1987. And I have to admit, there are a lot of things about this movie that I would change and that I don't like. But I will give it this: I think this opening sequence, for at least what I like in a Schwarzenegger movie, I think this was a great opening sequence. It it is. It's a little like strange that's like I, that's why i love it. I, I just it was very surreal to me yeah it is very surreal it, it's it like you watch that scene and it's never explained really in any meaningful way what that place is is that a soviet thing where it's like it's like a co-ed bathhouse but they're also lifting weights in there i couldn't figure out if that it was it was the 80s so we needed to have naked women yeah, and it's an Arnold movie, so we needed to have people pumping iron. But you get it later. <laughs> throw them in at the same time. In the just... same time, but in, later in the prison sequence down in Joliet, you get the pumping iron. So, so that threw that idea out. I had no idea if this was a Soviet thing, but it was so random. And I, he's literally Arnold, and they're literally walking around in loincloths. The yeah. women, of course, don't wear anything because why would they? <laughs> Apparently, sure. Pat, Patrick Stewart continues to permeate his way through scripts throughout uh, throughout Hollywood history. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not quite uh, equal opportunity, but I mean, no, I mean, it's it ridiculous. A- and I don't know if you remember, but at one point 
the director is just like holding on the naked one for no reason. It's oh, like, sure. come on, this is ridiculous. I mean, it's a Walter Hill movie, you know. I mean, I, I definitely remember one of the earliest uh, movies I saw with some nudity was, I, I believe it was another 48 Hours, which I'm pretty sure he also directed. Maybe not. But anyway, I just remember like the most like random shot of it. It was just like, was it like a porno theater? And it was a girl just like, just. You know, Bounce naked lady, and then someone crashes through the screen, and it's just like <laughs> that was the. There was no reason that could have been any movie, right? But they just wanted to, you know, get some get some naked ladies in there. Uh, yeah, I I just don't know. Like, I couldn't tell if this it's like is it a Soviet thing of just like we're all equal and you know genders we all use the same bathhouses, or it if be. it was like a gangster thing of just like that was ba- like, kind of like a brothel place. Or well, something? then here's the other thing: is so they go through this sequence, and uh, they the the boss looks at his hands and says, "That's not the hands of an iron worker." Right. So is this? I thought is this like a union hall where all the iron workers hang out? I mean, I guess he he seems like he's undercover in some way. Well, that's what I. I mean, I assume that, but just in a joking, I'm like, I, I thought maybe this was like the union hall, and this is how they they let off some steam, if you will. Oh, just be, because his hands weren't the hands of an iron worker, it's just like you don't belong here, or yes. that kind of thing. Yeah, it's sort of like the stone cutters that uh, he doesn't belong. Okay, I thought it was he was trying to go in undercover or something, and then his cover was immediately blown. <laughs> He's just like, you know, I, I imagine somebody's tried to set him up, like, okay, meet the boss, and you'll get in with the gang, and you'll, and then just, I mean, just whoops, <laughs> you're obviously not I, a, a steel worker. I think you're in a fight. Yeah, I think you're answer is the right answer but uh, i'm gonna go with the union hall for mine and I, I i was excited to see that we made a sven reference in this movie not knowing or remembering anything about this movie and as i'm watching it in the first three minutes sven yep. is there so there i was is. very very excited to see sven i love his credit in wikipedia oh. uh, under this if you look up red heat in wikipedia under like cast it yeah. says sven ole thornson as nikolai the russian danko fights in the snow <laughs> It's the he's the only one that gets like more descriptive. I like that, <laughs> and you know I don't know. Somewhat joking, campy comedy aside, I kind of like the contrast where they're inside this kind of hot sauna steam room, and then they don't right. have any clothes on, and then they're fighting in the snow. That couldn't have been fun to film. I really I did enjoy this fight, and yeah, I agree. Like you don't know that it's there's like you start inside. I guess you do see like a brief shot of Red Square yeah. for the opening credits, but yeah, when they spill outside, it is kind of surprising. Uh, let's play this fight, even though it's mostly just sound effects. But I want to play it just because the sound effects are terrible. The by sounds the way. of the punches are amazing. <laughs> I've, I've never heard a movie like movie punches sound like this. There's, okay, so this guy—I think he's a Mongolian guy. Yes. Uh, okay, there's a kick. Here we go. These punches. <laughs> it is like a kung fu movie. I mean, they're so over the top. <laughs> He's just beating the crap out of Sven. Here we go. And then then he just... (laughs) Poor Sven. Knocked out cold, literally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a short fight. That was the whole fight, but it's a fun fight. It's a fun way to start this movie. Yeah, that's the thing. It's unfortunate that the stuff with Belushi isn't as fun. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, but I mean, in the reality of the movie, this is a very serious fight, but you're still, like, smiling at it. Like, there's a way to do it so that even though Arnold is not smiling, he's still stone-faced, but you can make that funny without making him wisecracking. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. I mean, he finished the fight and he didn't have some quip, right, with Sven. That wasn't what they were going for, but it still was funny and still worked. And maybe it was just because those I sound mean, effects were so over the top. I mean, he gets the information he needs, and then he, the, just something about the way he punches him, and 
uh, I don't know. I just I find that kind of whole exchange. Him and Sven, their exchange is really, oh, excuse me, really funny. Yeah. I shouldn't have had a beer. <laughs> so you're doing <laughs> the show drunk is what you're saying. Uh, dry. I just, I've had a half a beer. I'm just, I'm just so, loosening my tongue. That's so that, that is how you open it. And then you get the opening credits, which the opening credits, I mean, if I envision what a Soviet-era movie credits would be, this is what those credits would be. Really? Yeah. It feels a little too slick to me. Like, I would imagine... No, like, I'm just talking about the music and the and the um, the font that they used, but you're right. It's it, like it, the, the backwards R's and everything. Yes. It just, I'm like, yeah, this this feels like they wanted it to seem like a propaganda film from like the 1970s or 60s in Soviet Russia. I mean, there is all those guys marching, which, I, yeah, right. and the, the, the kind of the stirring Russian-esque kind of Hunt for October style, like yeah. Russian hymns or whatever. I guess not hymns, it's communist, but still. Ballad, whatever Whatever it is. It is. Donko, he, uh, I guess he and his partner have a little a quick scene. With yeah, I, I had down here that uh, you have a quick scene with his partner, and that it's the Russian equivalent of a uh, buddy cop scene. Yeah, this guy kind of looked like David Caruso to me, like a little oh, Russian that, David oh, Caruso. I did not get that, but that is a good connection. Yeah, he's, he, he's Russian David Caruso. That's what I was calling him in my notes. I don't know if we ever actually got his name. You do get his name, but I, I did not make the David Caruso connection. You're but right. in, in classic cop revenge movie style, he doesn't last long. No, nope. He's the dead partner he's, he's that has, chum. has to be avenged. Uh, but yeah, they, he follows Sven's tip to this, this bar or whatever it to is. To this cafe. And can I just say this cafe? I'm not sure, just like we're not sure what that sauna was, this cafe, a cop walks in, Everybody looks at him like they're guilty and they're angry, like they want to kill this guy. Yeah. With the, the guy being Arnold. I mean, it it seems like this is not a very common occurrence that a like, uniformed Russian cop is walking in. But I mean, to be fair to them, there was illegal activity going on. They probably was like, "Oh no, you know that guy is that guy in the back. That, he got that, me. That cocaineum dealer. He's he's yeah. We're all in trouble. Yeah, it is it is weird how they all kind of stare at him. But yeah, he he finds uh, the villain of the movie. Yes. Which what's the character's name? Oh, it's Victor. Yes, Victor Roska or Roska. Yeah, and he complains about being uh, persecuted. But yes, he says this one guy's like, "What? what where's your proof?" And he just pulls the guy's what? leg off. Yes, the, the one guy asks, "Where's your evidence?" In Russian, and um, Arnold punches him down to the floor, and then it makes it looks like he's breaking his leg. Right. And he's not. He, well, he is, but he's taking off a prosthetic leg. And then just loose cocaine is in a hollowed, <laughs> hollowed out prosthetic leg. Not even in bags. No. Like, what were they going to do? With, like, I don't understand. They were just going to sell the leg? Like, if, if they had some kind of deal, it's like, here, what's this, take a leg? This. Yes. <laughs> yeah, please <laughs> take this. <laughs> this is the only container we have. He, he's, he's the Russian equivalent of the one-armed man from The Fugitive, is what I, was what I put down. He is, yes. I mean... It, and uh, obviously, it wasn't a very good hiding place because it's not like Sven gives him the tip. There's cocaine in the guy's leg. Like he just yeah. So did he you, somehow intuits this? Yeah, that's what my question was. Did you, did you think that they had some other intelligence to know that? Because clearly, from what he got from Sven, there's no way Sven gave him that information because he's out cold after he gives him <laughs> right. the name of the cafe. I mean, I, I guess you have to assume that yes, they had, but they probably had those two bits of information separately, like. We know that his lieutenant, whatever, keeps the cocaine in his leg, but we don't know where he is. And then Sven tells him where he is, and he goes and he pours out the cocaine. Yes, and uh, so then there's a um, gunfight. A gunfight, which I, you know, let me ask you this: that maybe it's just because I've I've become so used to it in action movies, but this was really interesting. There are no 
machine guns. I mean, we are bad puns of machine guns. There are no machine guns in this action movie. They are all handguns. Oh, in the whole movie, yeah. I guess that's true. And I, I, you know, I'm trying to remember back, is this something that was usual in the 70s and 80s in the action movies, or is it just because they've had to escalate so much yeah. since that time that we're, you and I are just used to it's always shotguns or submachine guns? There are none. Every bad, and I'm not, I'm not advocating that, but <laughs> we are bad puns of machine guns, and I had in my notes, there, is, there are nothing but handguns in this. That's an excellent observation. I did not real, I didn't notice that at all, but... I think that probably comes from the fact that it's coming from more of a cop tradition than a could be, you know. Because I don't, I like. Do you think Forty Eight Hours that was the case, or I think so. it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I think so. There are machine guns. No, I don't think so. Not. No. Yeah, I think and, and like I don't know, Dirty Harry movies. It's probably pretty similar. Where it's mostly handguns. I think it's just you know the escalation. Yeah, it, it's it's Lethal Weapon and Die Hard that escalated, right. and it that's what I was gonna there. say. Is that seems like Die Hard might have been the one that kind of changed it. Yeah, I mean this is the same year, but I think it's obviously not. It, it, it's not very. It doesn't feel like it's influenced by no, not at all that and, kind of an action movie. And maybe, maybe Die Hard really is the part, the the demarcation point because it literally has the line. Now I have a machine gun. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I you know we've got uh, some housekeeping here. On um, unfortunately, there's there's a few bodies that pile up in this, this sequence. Yeah, I've got five total. Uh, Same here. So yeah, and David Caruso is one of them, and also Danco or not Danco. Uh, Victor's brother, yes, falls down the stairs. Falls down. First, he takes one in the leg. Then he winds up. Arnold gets him, and he falls down the stairs. Yeah, but Dave Crusoe is so convinced. It's not actually played by Dave Crusoe, just to be clear. <laughs> it's just some but guy who looks like him. We're going with it. Um, but I like how excited he is. He's like, "I got him in the leg." Yeah, I mean, he's obviously in Russian, but he's just like so happy. He just he just he really does seem like the puppy. Remember the the, the Warner Brothers cartoons? Where the puppy would follow around the big dog. Yeah. Like, what are we doing today, Spike? He really is that guy to Arnold. I was just he's so excited because probably. Don Danko is constantly just has huge body counts and arrests. So anything he can do to feel like he's a member of the team, he's really excited about. Yeah. And it's actually, now that I think about it, it's a pretty similar dynamic with Jim Belushi where it's like Arnold's, you know, or Danko's doing most of the work. Yeah. It's not really an equal partnership. Like no. it's not, it's almost a sidekick situation more than an equal partnership. I mean, he, he makes the comment, what am I, what do I look like? A, uh, a, a Falcon taxi cab. Right. And <laughs> at true. some point Danko says, yes, in many ways, he just is a chauffeur for Danko doing all the work. He kind of is. Like he almost erase that character and not not even notice that much in the day in the in the current present day uber could just replace jim belushi's character and the movie would no be no worse for wear <laughs> that's for sure um yeah although i well i guess nowadays you know, since there's no more soviet union like doesn't but it, you know if the soviet soviet union did still, still exist i don't think he would know how to use uber that'd be one of the fish out of water things like what, what is this yeah, right uh, so what I did have is you did we did have some American influence on the the villain because he he goes very Travis Beckel here with his uh, hidden hidden gun that he gets uh, oh, to, yeah. to use the kill. Yeah, and there's a lot of bullets in that gun. Like it's like a tiny little gun. He shoots like five times or something like yeah. that. So yeah, I forgot about that. He he pulls that trick later also. Doesn't he? Or yes. He, 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 at least you, you see it. He still has it. Oh no, he he pulls it later. Doesn't he? Yeah, he, he does a, He does the Travis Bickle a, a couple of times actually. So well, you have to remind me when we, we get there because I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I remember him putting it up his sleeve later, but I don't remember him using it. But I'm sure you're right. They wouldn't have done that unless he used it. Um. Anyway, yeah. So we get the the quick scene of his partner's funeral. Yes, and, and then, then him getting his orders. Yeah. So the timeline of this is strange because it, it. Okay, there's snow on the ground. I know it's Russia. But would there be snow on the ground in August? Because then he goes to America, and they talk about like, oh, summer in August, it's very humid. I I completely missed that. You're right. 
Like there wouldn't be snow on the ground in August, even even Moscow, right? It's not, I I don't think so. It's still summer. No, I I miss that one. That's see, a good catch. See, see, for like part of me wondered like, oh, maybe some time passed. But now that we're talking through it, it's like it, it could. Partner's have. dead. He gets the info from Sven with the snow. We must go right to the place. Partner's dead. How long does it take to do the funeral? Well, and then he's given orders to go to the U.S. Or no, 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 no. Wait, no. There's probably time between the funeral and when he because he gets he doesn't get the orders until later. That's what it is. He gets the orders later, and and also you've got um, the villain flees too to get to America. So some time has to have elapsed. I don't know how much, but it's probably fair to assume it's a couple of months. Yeah, I think they. I th- boy, maybe we should play the scene because I don't remember exactly what the dialogue said, but it, I think he knows that. Victor fled to America, but that's all they know. They don't know where. Yeah. Like, he can't just go to America and just go from city just to city. Just start wandering <laughs> right. around aimlessly. So I think it could, probably some months go by before they learn specifically that he's in Chicago. So yeah. I guess let's just assume that. I, did, did you happen to notice what the, the first shot to was in America? Is there anything more American <laughs> Levi's, than yeah. Levi's? Yeah, I did. That, that and wailing like... saxophone. <laughs> I, I didn't notice the saxophone. I was so zo- tuned in on the Levi's thing. Yeah. And um, I, I put big in my notes here. Is there anything more American they could have chosen than a Levi's billboard? It may as well have just been a billboard that says capitalism. Yeah. On <laughs> American capitalism. Yeah. No, it was more. I, I was preoccupied by the saxophones. Like that's the indication. That's that's what the filmmakers thought. T- said America. Just like burr, 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 <laughs> crazy saxophones. Bleeding music. Gums Murphy out in the streets of Chicago. Yeah. Say so we meet our, our Chicago uh, cops. Yes, we meet our Chicago cops. I gotta say, I didn't hate Jim Belushi as much as I thought I would. I don't think he's good, and I don't think I think this movie would have been better with somebody else in that role. But I didn't really hate him. He's just like, boy, he's not. He's just very. It's not interesting. I I think the, your assessment is fair. I think the reason why I go, we meet the cops, is that I just feel like it's a missed opportunity. I think with this could have been a lot better movie with a better casting for that role. Yeah. So no, no question. So, about so that. that's kind of the reason why. You're right. I don't think he does anything that's terrible and makes it cringe, you know, where you cringe and you can't watch it, but he doesn't do anything that makes it entertaining either. He's a mannequin. Yeah. You know, they just prop up a mannequin and put some... Like, put a badge on him and yeah, a gun? It would have been basically the same performance. So, yeah, we've got, we got him, we've got uh, Lawrence Fishburne, and then a third guy who I, I had to do some research to find out who this is, but... I didn't recognize him and I didn't look into it, so why don't you tell me? Really? Yeah. Oh, I, 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 once I saw this research, I thought you'd come in with this. Maybe I missed it. He played Al Neary. In the Godfather. Ah, oh, I should. Yeah, I, I completely see it now. You see it now? Yeah, I didn't see it. I, I had to like look at a side by side picture. And go, oh yeah, okay. No, I see it now, and I should have caught it. Uh, I got his name here somewhere. The, the actor's name, but uh, I've caught many of other Godfather references uh, or actors, <laughs> like well, in I mean, Stay Hungry, which I feel very you know proud of of uh, our Stay Hungry episode. And the Legion of Doom, who, who uh, I, at, in that episode, we said that he was undercover from uh, in the witness protection program with a bad Alabama accent. Yeah, I mean, he, but that character is a lot more prominent. Doesn't Alan Neary, like not talk ever? No. That's my memory. Of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe he talks a little bit, but, but he's very, very much. I think he's a, that's a much more, I mean, I guess he's an important character because he does important things that are like, important to the plot. But right. I think Chi-Chi is probably a more memorable character. Well, than yeah, because he testifies and yeah. Even me, like not being that much, like not that familiar. Being huge, you still remember Chi-Chi. Yeah, um, we did forget. I just skipped over. There's a brief scene where the uh, Victor goes to the phone booths and they, like they set up the drug deal. They set up the drop where yeah, there's a torn hundred dollar bill in half, and um, so to be able to make the ultimate connection later to pick up the merchandise, he had to, the bill has to match up. 
Yeah, which must be a, a, a thing because uh, that happens in McBain. Like, I guess this is just like... It's true. I, I think I had read somewhere that that is based on... Oh, the, this... I almost said spies like us. Uh, the Rosen... Is it the Rosenbergs that were spies? I, I think it, there, there's, there's real usage. It wasn't with a $100 bill, but I think it actually, believe it or not, was a Jell-O box and that the top to the Jell-O box had to match up, and that's how they knew who, who the person was that they were meeting for the drop. Oh, crazy. Yeah, so I think that's what it's based on. This happened to be a $100 bill. I guess that makes sense, but uh, it's a thing where they say, oh, come back at 3 o'clock. It's like, 3 o'clock? That's like later that day? Do they really need the thing to confirm? It's like, you could just see him. Oh, there he is. It's the guy I saw earlier. What do you need this extra? I mean, I guess just in case things go wrong, which they do. Because the, the Jim Belushi gets a tip. Or I guess, uh, whatever, Al Neary. <laughs> I, I, I have that actor's name. I should at least say it. Uh, da, 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 da. Richard Bright is his name. Do you have the character's name? I know it's Irish. That's oh, Don, It's uh, not Donnelly. It's I do. Gallagher. Gallagher. It was Donnelly as the captain played by Peter Boyle. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, they get the tip and they're going th- three. Uh, what I, this is the difference, too, in an 80s cop movie. Today, you would have SWAT going in with full body armor. And, you know, maybe it says something about the police today, too, that our police do seem a little more militarized in 2016 than back in the 80s. But literally, three detectives going in with handguns only, no backup, and not necessarily telling anybody where they're going on a tip. Yeah, I think it may have been the thing where they wanted the collar or whatever. It's like, it, it is kind of an LA Confidential sort of a thing to do of just like, this is ours. We're just going to go in ourselves. Yeah, and, when you really think about it, it's not a good idea at all. No, I mean, they should have had SWAT because that dude in the bedroom with a shotgun. There's a shotgun. There you go. You're right. There, there is a shotgun. So I forgot about that. I forgot about one. this guy with a shotgun. There's a shotgun, but not a machine gun. Not a machine gun. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they uh, almost get themselves in over their heads because this guy comes close to. Taking them all out, and uh, Belushi goes goes down the back way, and eventually uh, gets him coming down the stairs. Yeah, they come on those uh, th- that that kind of a stair like back staircase. That seems like a very Chicago thing. That not it's one of those things that's just like a little detail that yeah, obviously filming in Chicago, but like I've never seen that in any other city. Just you know what I mean, like like bare wood. Just it's like basically like a crappy fire escape that yeah, people also use as a balcony. I, and I think some of it has to do with because um, Chicago has alleys, and some of, some of the other old big cities don't have alleys, and I, I think that's some of the reason why. That could be. Yeah. You know, you see this all the time. There's like a, one story a year of people like having a party. And one of those things collapsing. It's yeah. like, well, because it's not supposed to be a balcony. It's supposed to be a fire escape. And people just like, yeah, it's a very peculiarly Chicago no, and thing. It, it's funny that you bring that up because the, the wooden thing, the, the ordinance and things have changed. And it, it reminds me, I know 2001, there was a, a terrible one that collapsed. Uh, I had just started it. It is a, a Chicago-based bank that doesn't exist anymore through acquisition, but LaSalle Bank. And one of the people who were in um, the credit training class just before me at the bank uh, went to a party, was at that party where it collapsed and they died. So somebody, like a number of young people wow, uh, died. I, I don't, it was a lot, and a lot were hurt. And the ordinance changed a- after that. And they're, they, the, what you see in that movie do- doesn't really exist anymore. I mean, I've seen it within there, the last five years. There, there, there may be some, but th- those are yeah. They replace them with a certain number. To, replace them, and then if there are, if there is any wood, it's reinforced. I mean, a lot in the ordinance changed from from definitely when this movie was made, but even yeah. two thousand one. I just because I I know in Running Scared you see one of those like very peculiarly yes. wooden fire escapes. Um, so yeah. so, so I, let me ask you this: I did not know Marvin Hagler. There's a Marvin Hagler reference. <laughs> 
that uh, the guy with the shotgun looks exactly like Marvin Hagler. I lost, I lost money him. on Hagler. Did you Did you look him up? I did look him up. I, I, did. I did too because I did not recognize the reference, so I wanted to see. I knew he was a boxer, but I didn't know anything about Marvin Hagler. Yeah. I mean, uh, the one detail I saw looking up Marvin Hagler that I found funny is he legally changed his name to Marvelous Marvin Hagler because ring announcers weren't saying the marvelous part and he was getting upset about it. I did not so, see like, this that. This is my that's legal awesome. name. You must say marvelous Marvin Hagler. I think it's, that's still his legal name to this day. So what I looked up and, and learned was that uh, in one of, uh, I think he, he was a middleweight, uh, middle, middleweight heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah, from like 82 to 89 or something. Yeah, and, with a long run. And in one of his bouts, Sugar Ray Leonard, who had fought and retired a bunch of times, was doing like the HBO commentary. I don't know if it was HBO, but effectively it was doing the ringside commentary and noticed that uh, Hagler might have been showing his age. So he decided to come back out of retirement. Sugar Ray Leonard fought Hagler for the title. And from what I read, Hagler was absolutely jobbed by the judges. He should have won. And Sugar Ray Leonard, the coward, retired immediately after and refused <laughs> to fight Hagler. That's funny. Um, and so that I, I learned a little bit about boxing history. Knew nothing about that until looking this up. I wonder if that Simpsons episode was was inspired by that. Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> the power goes out or whatever. Yeah. Or someone pulls the plug. What I forget what it was. They're playing a video game boxing thing. Yeah, I didn't think about that with Bart. Yeah, he was playing a video game. I I didn't think about that. Oh, that was an early episode. That was like season two, I think. Yeah, it was probably 1990 or something. That was yeah. probably right around then. I didn't I, even think about that. That I that probably is nice nice work. Yeah. The only boxing I know about is movie boxing. If you ask me about any of the Rocky fights, I can tell you <laughs> what happened in most of the rounds and all that. But Anything real reality, boxing, not at all. I'm not really that interested. So then we, um, after this, we go from Chicago back to Russia to what I had is the, I guess, the original AP wire, which was yeah. a, a bunch of like typewriters just furiously having like telegraphs information put on, yeah, put, put on paper. Teletype machines? Teletype machine. Is that what those are? I've, always so. heard, I've heard of teletype machines. Now, I now maybe we've seen them. Uh, but yeah, I found out that he's in Chicago and those guys are like Chicago gangster you get a machine gun sound in the movie you get a machine gun sound and it's like man we just this city cannot live down something that yeah. it's so many decades ago uh, I think I think it was replaced for a while by Michael Jordan yeah like, been like, oh Michael Jordan but now it's now no. that he's been retired now that he's retired and he's out in Charlotte it's, it's reverting back <laughs> yeah, to the I machine so. guns and Al Capone I think so yeah uh, so he gets, uh, he gets his orders. Did you happen to notice? I did like that they worked in a, uh, a catchphrase for Arnold, even though it was in Russia, Russian. Oh, is it when it says, trust me? Yeah. I, I think that, that, that it's not a pun, but I think that counts. Yeah. I, I did notice that this time it's like, oh, he says, trust me a lot. Yeah. I, 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 trust I, me. I wish we had been tracking that more because yeah, at least two or three, this, uh, Terminator two for sure. Yep. There's like at least one or two more. seems like in true lies, he, he has it in there. Probably. Yeah, I'm not. It's, you know, we'll find out when we do True Lies. We'll, we'll remember to keep an eye out for that. Yeah. So we yeah. Uh, head head to the airport. Belushi and not Donnelly Gallagher are uh, are waiting at the airport to to pick up uh, Danko. Yeah, and this is just one of the first instances of just this premise being wasted. Where it's just like, yeah, they pick him up, and there's really nothing. But there's, Belushi there's, does try and make some small talk with women, and what I have is, man, men, women at the airport really uh, do not want to be spoken <laughs> yeah. to. Well, I mean, not by Jim Belushi Maybe anyway. That's that's what it is. It was who was originating the conversation. Yeah, he's he is. It, it kind of goes away, but he is kind of portrayed as a little bit of a creep. Yeah, like, the, when they're, Re- they're looking at the hookers first, and all yeah, that. Yeah, in his introduction, he really is a creep. <laughs> and this is the weekend where the, the Trump news broke of his recording, so yes. maybe it's appropriate. He's, yeah, he's he's Trump before Trump. 
Or maybe, move on. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe this is why Trump watched this too many times and he thought it was acceptable. I don't know. He should point to this movie and be like, see, people, this, all guys talk it's, like this. Not, this is how guys talk. You see, Jim Belushi is fantastic. <laughs> Jim this Belushi, is, he's the hero of the movie, and he, see, yes. he's demeaning these prostitutes. And it's perfectly fine. But yeah, I think this is him just trying to pick up this girl. Just random girl walks by in the airport, and she's... Bite me or whatever she says. No, she says something much worse. Oh, blow she? yourself. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, wow. And he's, I th- I will give him that one. I thought Belushi was kind of funny because his reaction is, oh, yeah, thanks. Good, yeah. good idea. Is what I think he says. <laughs> he's he's relatively good at being kind of like put when he gets put down and he kind of reacts like, oh, okay. You know, he, Self-deprecating or something along those lines I think he can pull off. Bemused or something. I don't yeah. know. It's, there's Yeah, that kind of a reaction he's relatively okay at. Comedy, not so much, but being being made fun of, you know, he can take a joke better than he can tell a joke. I do think that this next the next joke when uh, Gallagher is kind of chatting him up and Belushi steps in and says, "I'm parked in a red zone." No offense. I thought that was a joke that worked pretty well. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that joke. Yeah, I didn't even notice it. No, yeah, he says, "You know, can we move it along?" I'm parked in a red zone, and he says to Arnold, "No offense." Wow, I totally missed that. Yeah, that, I mean, should we count that as a pun? I, That's uh, kind of close. I, I, I'd probably give it that because there's not. I don't really think there are any in this movie. I would give that. I had one more, but I don't remember what it was. It was right. like, well, like, I, I'll, that, I'll, I know it was borderline. Also, I'll leave it to you, but I think you could count that one. Uh, I mean, red. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it quite. Qualifies. All right, all right. That's fine. Because it still means red. Red means red. There's, I mean, even though it's obviously the, the communist implication, but let's not. That's count. fair. That's fair. Yeah, and then they, they drive and they talk about the humidity or they do whatever. Total small talk in the converse, in the car. Nothing else. Nothing. There's no like. This is the scene where you need to be establishing some kind of like friction between the two of them, and he's just like you know I guess the friction is supposed to be like he thinks he's over explaining what humidity means and stuff like that. Like he's, he's treating you know uh, Danko like he's an idiot. Yeah. Where he's just like I speak English fine. Like you don't have to explain what humidity is. And then he gets out, and he's just like, "Boy, that guy's a real jerk." It's like jerk, it's like make make it more about the fact that he's Russian and a communist or whatever. Like I don't right. know, there's nothing, there's nothing here. It d- it didn't feel like there was any exploration of cultural cultural differences or norms at all. No, yeah, it almost feels like they have more in common than differences because they're they both are treat each up. other like cops. Yeah. yeah, they interact like two cops. That's why I was saying like he could have been from anywhere. The, the fact that he's a cop almost overrides the fact that he's Soviet. That the. That's the best way to put it, is that his nationality doesn't seem to matter, even though it feels like that's something should be, should be highlighted. Yeah. It's, it seems like that it's the, the cop genre or the, 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 the cop characteristics overtake everything else in the movie. He could have been, say, a Detroit cop in a fish-out-of-water story in Beverly Hills. Hills. <laughs> <laughs> Basically the same movie. It is. Um, although, yeah, much, I, much funnier, however. Well, I don't know. I'm imagining Arnold as a Detroit cop. Like, I was born in Detroit. <laughs> Born and raised. I, you know, your go early, lions. Your earlier suggestion, though, Eddie Murphy teaming up with Arnold could have been fun too. I think that would have been great. I, I, I think it could have been really, really good. I mean, that period of Eddie Murphy teamed up with anybody is probably going to be pretty good. Although that was starting, Eddie Murphy was on the downside a, a little, a little bit. bit of it. But I, I, this this could have been a bounce back for him. I actually think him in this movie, and even it didn't have to be Chicago, right? It could have easily been Detroit. You put. Yeah, it could have been anywhere. Yeah, you, you put him going to Detroit with Axel Foley-ish. Obviously, it couldn't be Axel Foley. I think that would be fantastic. You just could have made it Beverly Hills Cop 3 or whatever. I guess this would still be 2. Uh, two is what's the timing? Probably a year later. 
No, I think maybe the same year. No, because we just did Predator, and I think Beverly Hills Cop Two was on my oh, list you're right, for Predator. You're right. So no, this would have been this Beverly... could have been Beverly Hills Cop Two. Okay, well, well no, it would have been Beverly. This is eighty eight. Yeah. So this would be Beverly. It would have been Beverly Hills Cop Three. Three. Yeah. Which I'll take that over the real. Beverly the real Hills Beverly Hills Cop Three is terrible. <laughs> you do get a George Lucas cameo in that though, oh, and, and not good. <laughs> anyway, so yes. Uh, this is where this is the one pun I did write down. You can you can be the judge of whether this is a pun where he comes in to the motel and he goes Donko and the guy goes, "Oh, you're welcome." I th- I'm going to give it that. We need to get one in. That that's borderline, but I'm going to give it. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's that's our pun number one, the one and only. So yeah. So he wants to stay in the exact same room that Roska uh, did, which I don't understand. Why does he think that he's got like stuff stashed there or something? I guess. Yeah, I don't know either. Well, also, does the motel? Or, you know, I guess it's a, it's a hotel, but it's a rundown. I keep wanting to call it a motel. Uh, does a hotel know that that guy, that, that uh, Victor's been imprisoned? Because, like, isn't he I still... I don't think so. Right, so isn't he still staying there? How could he stay in the same room? No, I, I, I took from it that he was there, but when he got married or whatever with uh, Gina Gershon's character, he, he moved out and moved somewhere else is what I took it as. Oh, but I, th- I thought he got married before he moved to America because that's how he got his... Visa to be in America, right? No, I, th- I, th- I took it as that's how he was trying to stay, is that he snuck in, and then to be able to stay, he, he married her. Okay, maybe. Did you happen to notice when he, when he signs in that somehow he travels back in time? <laughs> no, why? Well, because the, uh, the last entry in there uh, was 8-4 of 87, and he signs in 8-2 of 1987. So either he's lying for some reason... Or his travel back in time. And then later when they go back to the book, you get another shot of it. All of a sudden, now are there ones from 920 of 87. It's like, how do you get that wrong? I I totally... I didn't pay attention to the dates, although I did look at the handwriting. Did you... I'm going to assume the next time later you saw who was signed in on the book? No. Jim Morrison. (laughs) No, I didn't see that. Jim Morrison. Not in this scene, but when... Um, they come to the hotel in the in the shootout. You yeah, know, when yeah. they they come to get him. When Victor comes back. When Victor he... comes back and he looks at the book, Jim Morrison is signed in in the book. I did look at the names, but I didn't notice that it's, it's all it's all like, handwritten. Like, yeah. I, I think maybe I thought it said Morrissey or something. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I'm I'm 99 sure it was Jim Morrison. No, what I was going to say is the handwriting. I I pulled Total Recall. Remember <laughs> the, the scene where he checks his own handwriting? Yeah. And there we definitely see. Although I guess we don't know if it's Arnold. Writing, writing so it was, out, yeah. So, but all I know is it didn't match. I'm like, those, oh, that's not the same. That's, that's some detective work on your part. One or both of those are not the correct Arnold handwriting. But yeah, now that I think about it, because I, I assumed that Total Recall, that must be his real handwriting. Yeah. But it's just a insert shot. You don't know who's writing, so yeah, maybe it wasn't. the him. director or whoever. Yeah. So can you explain this? So he goes up to the room, and he puts a quarter in the TV. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but can you explain to me what your thoughts are on how this TV worked? I guess it was just the channel it was left on. <laughs> so so for, for the That's audience, just, if you haven't seen Red Heat, it just starts up. He puts a quarter in the TV and turns like a dial, sort of like I, I'd say an old-fashioned washing machine kind yeah. of. And it just comes on, and it's a porno. And so what I immediately thought is, and maybe you're right, it was the last channel left on, but I'm like, so is, is what this movie is saying about the porn industry, which is probably true, is the story doesn't matter at all. <laughs> Literally, you just need like 35 seconds to a minute and a half of pornography. Any point in the movie, it doesn't matter where, no story is necessary. You just put the quarter in, 
turn well, yeah. it on and, and you take care of business. But I assumed that wasn't the beginning. Are you saying that's the beginning of the porno? It no. just starts like no, what I'm saying is in, it's sort in of media like, res? No, it's, it's, it's streaming constantly and you just put the quarter in and it doesn't matter. You don't need to know about the story anyway. You're yeah, just going to pick it up. I assumed it was like the Spice Channel or something. It's just yeah. uh, it's broadcasting at all times and whenever you, you put in your quarter, in is, yeah. hey, you tune in. I mean, I, I mean, maybe that's how it worked in the old day. Like, maybe he didn't need to put in a quarter just to watch TV. Like, if he wanted to watch local TV, he could have just turned on the TV. But maybe the quarter thing is just to buy porn. <laughs> is that how it worked back then? I don't know, but that's that makes sense to me. But I also like the universe where to watch any TV at this place, you right. have to put in a quarter. I mean, they know their clientele. <laughs> I mean, we only see one. It, we, it's, we, it, they're like the Spirit Airlines. It's an a la carte hotel. You just have to pay everything individually. Yeah. Right, exactly. But I'm saying we've only, we only see three uh, tenants at this hotel. One is is Victor. One is Donko, and one is just some guy who picked up a prostitute. prostitute. So I mean, you know, they know it's like there's no family staying there. It's no. just like you know, this is not a va- this is not a vacation spot. It's not Michigan Avenue. These people on. aren't watching the news. They're gonna <laughs> they want porno. They demand porno <laughs> by the quarter. Uh Anyway, so what happened? So okay, so he gets he gets a tour of the police station. Danko yeah. does, and we meet all the guys, the, the chief of police, and uh, yeah. So they here. That. Let me ask you this: so they explain how they picked up uh, Victor. They said that they got him on a traffic stop, and he they found a gun in his glove box. What was their probable cause for checking out his glove box to find that gun? I mean, do you think he has a driver's license? He probably couldn't pr- produce a driver's license, and that was that may be enough. Really? To, well, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know the laws. Just, or maybe maybe Victor. I mean, Victor's from the Soviet Union. He probably didn't know he could say no. There's a, we want to look in your glove box. And that's, he's a, just, that's a good point. That Yeah, that they demand it. And I guess in the Soviet Union, you probably just, yeah, this is what's going to happen. Well, I guess he doesn't speak English. So what's he going to do? He can't refuse. Like, hey, do, do, we have, do we have your permission to check your glove box? You know, he just says something he in just Russian. nods or and, whatever. Yeah, he doesn't know what they're saying. I guess. So then here's the other question is that. Why doesn't he ask for political asylum? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a good question because Donko asks that. Yeah, he he did not ask for and, asylum. No, and that's why I'm asking you. Why did he want to stay here? Was it just because he needed the the deal to get done? I guess that's why. Yeah, he's trying to set up a drug deal. He's try, he, he has five million dollars. He's buying cocaine from the clean heads, and so he's going to buy the drugs from them and then bring it back to the Soviet Union through his Georgian network. They say yeah. Or whatever. So you're right. I guess because the deal hadn't been done yet, if he claimed asylum he couldn't get back to russia where he wanted to actually sell the drugs right he's claiming asylum but he's poor like oh i guess he does have five million dollars but no but i'm sure he wouldn't be allowed to keep that if he tried to right submit for asylum you know again not knowing no but he doesn't want asylum because he doesn't want to stay in the united states that that's why he wants to go back to russia or maybe he was going to go back and he got arrested and who knows so they're going to then head to the belushi and uh gallagher are going to take uh Ivan to pick up Victor at, at the jail. Yep. And little jokes about, oh, you could tell they're old friends or whatever because he's like yeah. smashing them around. All, all I had was is Belushi cracks wise. That's what I had. Yeah. Uh, it's weird how because the, they get uh, Victor's belongings back from the locker or whatever. And this is where they introduce the key because there's a key. Yeah. That we learn later, it's the key to a locker that has the money in it and an empty Cracker Jack box. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that little moment. He, he smells it. Yeah, it's just like, what is this? Like, he doesn't know what Cracker Jacks are. It's like this. I'm mean, sure. I'm sure to a Soviet who has never tasted Cracker Jacks, it must be the strangest smell. He's never seen anything like that. What is this? Um, 
But then, yeah, there's a th- the moment where uh, Jim Belushi, what's it, Ridzik? Is that how you say his name? Art Ridzik, Ridzik. yes. Ridzik super overreacts to something. <sighs> Thank you for pointing it out. Keep going. No, so... Uh, uh, Donko says, oh, what's this key to? And he just tells him to, to go to hell or whatever. Uh, Victor does. And then Ridzik says, oh, what did he say? And he goes, he won't tell me what this key is. You ask him. And he asks him, and he says, go kiss your mother's ass or whatever. Yeah. And Donko translates, and Ridzik goes crazy. and tries. It's like, this can't be the worst thing a criminal has ever said to you. No, and what's funny, so what I had is Belushi Ridzik either can't understand English or just is grossly overreacts if he truly did understand because later when he's walking away oh yes yes he 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 misstates it's a lot different than kissing is what his interpretation was that's true so does he not understand english well it's it almost feels like they shot it both ways and like, then they used then the wrong they, yeah or, or just didn't they, they shot the translation both ways but they didn't shoot the walking out both ways or yeah. something uh yeah it is weird although yeah but even still even if it's uh, the more extreme version uh, what's he? He's never been insulted by a criminal before. He's what's that, he? it, it is an overreaction, but at least it's a little more understandable with uh, the the much harsher translation, I guess. But, the, uh, but also, but that's again, and I'm just thinking about this now. But he's like supposed to be the voice of reason. Of he's always he's constantly lecturing Donko about the Miranda rights. I'm just like you can't you can't even touch his ass. I do not want to touch his <laughs> ass. Sorry, I, got, I don't want I, to touch his ass. <laughs> I jumped ahead there. Um, but you know he's he's the one always saying like you're not allowed to rough up you know uh, suspects anymore, but he's the one who flies off the handle when, immediately yeah, well, the first time at, at Victor. So he's got no leg to stand on. I agree. So they're they're making their way through um, to to then take Victor Victor away. We get uh, Belushi's going to go off and he's buying like racing forms. Yeah, he wants a paper and a racing form. Yeah, uh, but you get an armored car pulling up. With what looks like some clean heads and some ominous music, so you know, uh, you know, bad things are about to happen. Yeah, and they're they they come in and they free Victor. Yeah, I kind of had two things. Belushi cracks wise some more, and it's kind of a boring gunfight. I don't, I don't know if you felt that way, but I, I felt like it was kind of boring. It's almost it's not really a gunfight. They just come in and shoot everybody, and they free Victor, and it's like they kill Ridzik's partner. I already forgot his name, Gallagher, Al Neri, Gallagher, uh, and they wound uh, Donko. Yep. I, I'm gonna the whole this whole time I'm going like Danko Victor who, who's who I can't I can it's Victor Raska and yeah. Ivan Danko not yeah. Ivan Drago but <laughs> Ivan Danko it is pretty similar uh, he's got a line that reminded me of Drago later we'll get there but uh, right. uh, so anyway body count number six is the partner and then yeah Ridzik comes around and he shoots one of the I guess he's he's the one Russian guy. He's the other Russian guy, yes. Not not the blonde Russian guy, but the other Russian guy. Right. But he's he's the only one in the group. When I say the one Russian, the one guy in this group of people trying to free free Victor. Yes. And he gets wounded. He's not dead. We find out later. No. And they so the, that the rest of the gang gets away in a station wagon, which I di- I did appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> that station wagon is so 1988. Yes. Like it, it screams 1988. It, that, it that screams that it was. Uh, used in National Lampoon's Vacation. It feels like the Road Queen family truck. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it might be the same model. Uh, I mean, I get, you know, they're drug dealers. They got a whole lot of drugs and you know, weapons true. and things. And a station wagon is very utilitarian. Yeah, need a practical car. I, I did love, too, this really long, drawn crawl 
the key can't be more than six feet away yeah. from Danko, and it's just it feels like it holds on him for thirty seconds, and then he grips this key, and it, it's like an iron fist right there on the TV. Yeah, it's a weird moment because no one else is going after that key. No, it's like, will he get to the key? It's will, like, does it matter? Or the cops will find the key, right? right? I guess the idea is he wanted to keep it secret. Yeah, because then, well, but here's the weird part. Now he's in a coma, right? Or he's, he's for a brief time he's in a coma, right? And doesn't come out. Or no, he, no, he has a, no. he's a concussion. You're yeah, right. I'm sorry. Concussion. Uh, okay, so that makes more sense. I thought he was unconscious. Or no, but, but wait, I guess he does pass out. He passes out, but I don't think he's in a coma. He just has a concussion. But still, I guess out. he was gripping on that thing so tight that the, the doctors didn't find it. The no, cops because didn't find no, it. when you get to later in the hospital after everybody leaves the room, he finally opens his hand and shows the key. So I just had he literally has been clenching <laughs> yeah. his iron fist with that key that whole time, even while unconscious. His grip was so tight that nobody could. could yeah, well, um, with Arnold, you take that as a given. Uh, it's like in Twins when his grip is so tight, the guy they couldn't get that suitcase the suitcase on. away. Uh, yeah, so the hospital. And, they find out that it was the, the clean heads. It was the guys that they arrested. They, they had an illegal warrant, which is why they, they let him go. Yeah, which I, 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 that seemed to be just one of those things. Oh, we need some dialogue to fix this issue. Yeah. Because I, that was really glossed over. And I, it didn't seem like when they were first approaching uh, in that scene, they had a warrant at all. They were just there, like going to you know, cause trouble. Yeah. Well, it's like the thing is, the Lawrence Fishburne's character is supposed to be this straight arrow cop. But he was involved in that, and you'd right. think he would have all his T's crossed and his I's dotted. Like The fact that they had an illegal warrant with him involved seems strange, because if he's not going to get all that stuff who straight, is? who will? Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like, I don't even know why, because th- this gang seems like a pretty sizable gang. Why even say it was the same guy? Just, like, just get some others, right? Other guys from the gang. Like, yeah. They're big enough. It seems like they could have just said... Yeah, because, I mean, when we get to the prison in Joliet, there's a huge faction in yeah, that prison. Like dozens and dozens yeah, of Yeah, so why wouldn't you have more on the outside? I agree with you. There's no reason for it to be the same ones. Yeah, it is strange. But anyway, I mean, it doesn't really matter. All matters is, you know... So, basically, he got away. The Russians want Danko to go back to the Soviet Union. And Danko doesn't want to. Right. Yeah, so... Well, yeah, what we didn't, we glossed over a little bit is a, a member from the Russian embassy, and then I took it as a, a member of the KGB. Is that who the other guy is supposed to be? I mean, yeah, I, I think so. I think that's the implication. Yeah. He's, he's, he's KGB, but he works at the embassy posing as a, as a, uh, as a you know, whatever, a uh, minister. Diplomat or, or yeah, something. something. Yeah, diplomat. So they give Danko the third degree that you've, you know, you've embarrassed the, the homeland. You, you should be ashamed by letting um, Victor get away. And then... Danko's having none of it. He's now going undercover. Can, can I ask you this? Why is his suit green? Is it just for the joke? I think so, yes. Okay. Yeah, because he's uh, Ritzik is calling him Gumby the whole... Yeah. I didn't even think it was really that... It doesn't really make that much sense as a joke. I, I don't... It's not like it's, he seems like he's really flexible, like Gumby no. would be, right? He's not I'm, a gymnast. I mean, it's literally just because he's, he could have been calling him Kermit. He could have been anything green, Yoda. Yeah. Just, because, just the color green means he's calling him Gumby. I don't know. It's I don't not... think it was a good joke. I just want to know no. if you thought the reason they made the suit green was just to have a, a joke. Sometimes it looks blue, though, although maybe he has a different suit that's blue. Like, but it, it I took it like... that it was the same suit the whole time. But I don't, later, I think it's supposed to be, but later in the movie it looks a lot more blue. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just so they call him Gumby. I guess they just couldn't think of a better nickname for Jim Belushi to call Arnold. Yeah, so then we get this transition that doesn't... so. They leave the hospital, which you get some more wisecracking. Um, I think that's where you get uh, what, uh, the the taxi, yeah, the taxi comment. But then they go to the hotel, apparently off screen, because the next scene is back at the police station, and Belushi just 
says, oh, I took him to the hotel. He hung out for a little while, and then <laughs> we back. took him. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Well, I think they, they go from the hospital to his to the hotel right. to the police station. But, but yeah, why, why bother with the moment of him going to the hotel? And Yeah, and why explain it off screen? I don't know. It didn't make any sense. It is weird. I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. Can, so, so then we get um, that because Danko has kind of gone uh, AWOL, that the, the Russian embassy is now willing to co- cooperate with the Chicago police and gives the entire rap sheet to, to Larry Fishburne. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you this? I, I, I'm sure you have the list. Can you tell me which of those charges in his rap sheet does not belong in a crime in anywhere but Soviet Russia? <laughs> I, I see. My note here is basically ask Mike about currency, <laughs> about currency speculation. <laughs> Thank you. Because I don't know anything about currency speculation. I, but I did do a little bit of research, but I can give you the whole list if you want. All right. Well, I, it, you hit the one that I just am like, what? Oh, why course. is this on his rap sheet? <laughs> of course. Uh, well, apparently, based on my research... Uh, buying any foreign currency without authorization from the so from the central government was punishable by death in the Soviet Union. Really? Yes. Wow. So okay. I assume it has something to do with that. Uh, I would say so. So then, yes. In let, let's just say in Western finance, no currency speculation, <laughs> right? Yeah, is not a capital crime. Apparently, in the Soviet Union, it is. Apparently, it, or was. it was. Yeah, because. Uh, Based on what the research I did, because yeah, I, but what, can, can you uh, run down the list? Because when you, even knowing that, it still is ridiculous when all of the other charges that he has of how egregious they are to human beings. Well, the strange thing is that Lawrence Fishburne just blows past it like it's the natural, most natural thing in the world. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Let me just read the list because it's you're right compared to the other stuff on here. Oh, it's the other things are terrible. Okay, Victor did three years in the Army and six in a forced labor camp for drug offenses, one in the USSR for murder, kidnapping, rape, extortion, currency speculation, and drug dealing. (laughs) Currency speculation. The fact that it snuck in there is not the last one or the first one. It's just... uh, But yeah, I mean, you can kind of understand in the Soviet... In a communist country where... Everything is, you know, the, the economy is controlled by the state. Sure, yeah, buying foreign currency, punishable by death, seems pretty extreme, but yeah. not to a communist country, I guess. It, it makes sense, because if you're speculating, that means you're um, trying to profit, and that obviously in a, um, in a communist country is, right. is not, you're not is allowed frowned to upon. Well, I guess this is still a problem, because I saw an article from 2014. I guess this is still a problem in Russia where there's a lot of currency speculation that is like depressing the ruble or something. I didn't really follow it. There was a wall street journal article. Mm. I've read some of it. And I'm like, I don't understand any of this, you know, but so maybe you could read it and explain it to me because hell of a, I don't know the damn thing about currency speculation. Fair enough. So you go through and, um, uh, Donnelly played by Peter Boyle makes the determination that he's going to let the, the two of them kind of go off and uh, try and solve this thing on their own. Because from his point of view, there's no downside for him, which I'm not sure how he comes to that calculation. Well, I yeah, just I got, to me, having a, a, a Soviet police officer, there's a lot of downside. <laughs> well, and later in the movie, he admits, like, oh, that was, uh, big, I was wrong. Big mistake. <laughs> That's right. Uh yeah, I agree. Like as soon as he said that, it's just like what? Because I guess what he says is, well, he's a Soviet, so if he causes any kind of trouble, that's not our problem. He's just, you know. But yes, it is. If he's killing people, you're gonna have to clean up that mess. Like, are you crazy? Especially since he has diplomatic immunity. <laughs> that's right. 
Well, he, he smuggles the weapon in because of diplomatic immunity. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not I sure just, if he I, kills somebody, he would still have diplomatic immunity. Just no. murder? Like, I'm not sure. Well, according to Lethal Weapon 2, you can do that, and you just need to yell, diplomatic <laughs> immunity. Well, he was an ambassador or something, right? Yes. Like, I'll bet, I, I have to assume, once he was ordered back to Russia and he didn't go, he, he lost the he immunity. probably lost his immunity. All right, that's fair. Be my assumption. So, yeah, uh, is this where we get the, uh, the whole the discussion about stress and stress management? Uh, you, yes, fish. you do. You do have that during this scene. Yes, he talks about his fish. Boyle, uh, Peter Boyle's character, Donnelly, talks about it. Yeah, and he's just like, uh, like I, how do you deal with it in Russia? Right, yeah. Vodka. Vodka. Which is, all right, it's, all right. it's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then they go talk to the... Streak. Streak, yes. Played by the guy, he, he's, he's a guy from Blade Runner. He's like the second in command. Uh, it's funny, I... I don't know Blade Runner as well as you, but there's a. I'm embarrassed to admit the movie that I, I immediately recognize. I can't from. wait to hear. I'm sure I know it also. You're not going to know this. Uh, he is in Cabin Boy, starring Chris Elliott, and that is actually what I recognize him from. Okay, you're right. I don't know. Him it is that. one of those movies that I'm embarrassed to admit that I watched a lot and still find parts of it kind of funny. I mean, there's no reason to feel embarrassed for you know. I am a police academy expert, so believe me. <laughs> As we covered in our last episode. So, so him and uh, the actor who played Lou Brown in Major League are both in Cabin Boy starring Chris Elliott. Oh, but now I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Brown isn't in enough stuff, so maybe just uh, any opportunity to see. D- David Letterman actually has a cameo in that movie as well. Yeah, I do know that. Yeah. I think I've seen that clip from watching Letterman. Yeah, he, he, Letterman did really hammer that home on his show yeah, that, that clip. Do you want to buy a monkey? Is that what it is? Something. Uh, like that? Hold on. Would you like? Yeah. Would you like to buy a monkey? Yes. Yes. I've definitely seen that clip on Letterman. Yes. Uh, so yeah. So they go and uh, interrogate Streak, and this is the first introduction of. I don't know if this was written for the movie for the audience. It is not the Miranda Act. I would just like to make that abundantly clear. It's a Supreme Court case that was decided that a that. Uh, I don't remember what Miranda's first name was, but it's a Supreme Court case. An act is an act of Congress, a law that is passed. And since it's coming, I understand it might be watered down in a movie because it's easier just to say that it's a law. But for somebody in law enforcement not to know that it's not a law, but actually an interpretation from the Supreme Court, it's not the Miranda Act. They are Miranda rights that were determined from a Supreme Court case. I didn't know that. I, yes. I thought it was a law. Okay. I, 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 you, I, I, I shouldn't be you know, playing civics, <laughs> civics professor in this, but I mean, it really bothered me that it's not the Miranda Act. No, that's fair. I mean, it was misleading to the point where maybe, maybe that's why I made that assumption, because yeah. I've seen it in movies and things where they got it wrong. Nope. It's a, it's a Supreme Court case that, uh, that, that ultimately the decision that came down and written from the majority opinion that established the reading of the rights are commonly referred to as your Miranda rights. Because when was that? It was like the early 80s? when, when Late that... 70s or early 80s, yes. I, I, I didn't go in back. I, I claim to know these civics items, but I don't know it well enough to know exactly when the case was decided. It's funny because there are a lot of 80s cop movies that make jokes about the Miranda rights and all that because I, there's a police academy movie that makes jokes... <laughs> You really are a police academy expert. I am, because he reads them the, their rights, and then he, he keeps going and makes up his own. He's like, you have the right to paint the walls. You have the right to, to pull up the, the carpet. He's like going into like you know nonsense stuff. Yeah. And also in Dragnet, they do. Oh, I didn't remember that. Is, bra- that, is he, that the one with Dan Aykroyd in the 88? Yeah, Dan Aykroyd and yeah. Tom, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, he, Tom Hanks raps it at them. Oh, man. Anything you say can or will be used to get you in a court of law. 
It's oh, man. terrible. That sounds awful. I, I like Dragnet. I, I have that on Blu-ray, actually. But it's but that part sounds terrible. <laughs> well, they also rap at the end. <laughs> we should watch that. Remind me to show you that. It's I mean, Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd rapping. Oh, man. That just I rem- actually remember most of the lyrics. That's how bad. That's how many times I watched that Dragnet. May, that reminds me of, of Homer rapping and Bart. Stop it. Stop. Don't ever do that again. Actually, they referenced the Miranda rights in that rap at the end of the movie, too. So two raps, <laughs> two Miranda-related raps in, in Dragnet. Oh, man. You have the right to remain silent. Man. So, so now from, that rap, the Dragnet rap is going to be my, in my head the rest of this episode. So if you from, hear me humming, <laughs> you'll know what that is. So from the interrogation of Streak, well, we determined that the Soviet method is far more efficient Yes. Uh, which was a pretty good joke. I, I kind of like that, that the, uh, the Soviet method of everything is more efficient than the American capitalist way. Yeah, but then Ridzik goes right along with it. He's like, oh, you're right. Oh, this door jam really... I mean, he, yeah, co- he, covers, he covers for him, him immediately. Yeah, yeah, it's like, this movie, either they need to be the best of friends and like really, like on, or, or they need to be enemies. This like middle of the road stuff is just not interesting. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they're doing this. And I'm wrong. I was wrong. It wasn't efficient. I think the line is the Soviet method is more economical. So that's, that actually I think is a well-written line. That might be a pun there. Communism, economic. Not exactly, but it's pretty close. So then from that, they get uh, the information where they need to go, which is now a real prison in Joliet. So we get some more weightlifting um, inside, not outside in the yard. And I also really liked, I don't know if you noticed this, that, Two cops are going into the prison, and the prison guard takes them about, I don't know, part of the way and said, you're on your own from here. What? Yeah. Is it like Thunderdome then? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, the, I'm sure there are guards around somewhere. Like, yeah. If they get attacked, they, there'll be guards nearby, but they're not going to go talk to the, the head of the, the leader of the clean heads with them or whatever. Yes. Abdul Elijah is yeah. the leader of the clean heads. Before we get there, I want to back up a little bit because there was a, there's a line as they like leave. They're in the parking lot. To leave for the prison. And maybe you can explain it to me. Maybe I'll just play the clip because it'll probably be easier in like, explaining what it was. But it, it's, I did laugh at Arnold's reaction, but I just don't understand the dialogue. So here, I'm, let's just, this is them getting in the car to on drive, the way to the prison. Drive over to Julia. Well, also, there's, there's another line that's pretty fun. Yes, Miranda's there. Even scumbags have rights in this country, I told you. Soviet Union, only after two days can scumbag talk to lawyer. You're shitting me. I'm not shitting on you. Uh, that actually is a good line. <laughs> That's not the line I'm... Door. Yes? Sure. What That's not the line I'm asking me? about. It's right here. I'm your escort. He asks him a question right here. That suit's not going to explode or anything, is it? I think you're safe. Just checking. <laughs> I like his, his response, I think you're safe. But what is... The, I don't even understand what he's asking. Your I, suit's not going to explode? Because it's like grenade the, color? I don't even know. The only thing I took from it is maybe because I, I felt that that was almost like a James Bond type reference that because he was from some other country. I, I don't understand it either. It's, it's not good. Other than Arnold's reaction is pretty, pretty good. Uh, yeah, that made me laugh even though I, I did not understand what Ridzik's question meant. He goes, I think you're safe. <laughs> it, it almost feels like that it's a follow-on to something earlier on that got cut. Maybe, yeah. It must be. I mean, I don't, I don't know because the DVD didn't really have any of that stuff. I mean, there were some making of stuff, special features, but no real deleted scenes. Yeah. That's, the, that's the only other explanation I could come up with is it's something that was on the cutting room floor. I mean, yeah, it, it must be. You're right. Like, I can't think of any other explanation. I, my only thought was, is he just saying it's green like a grenade? I mean, Gumby is already a pretty, a pretty big stretch. Yeah. 
So yeah, I'm sorry. So the prison, he talks to Abdul Elijah, and yeah. So really, what you get from here is that uh, he uh, Elijah is going to put him back in front of uh, Victor because um, he he really just is in the business of being an equal opportunity drug dealer, and he he'd love to see the drugs sold over there in Russia. He's equal opportunity, but he's also not. Like, I, I, part of me, it's hard to say how much intent there is in this movie, but this kind of, like, Nation of Islam-esque gang, and he talks about how, like, he wants to sell drugs to every white man in the world, so he's happy to have it in Soviet Union. It's like, this is veering into territory that's maybe a little gross, but it's not super, like, they don't push it too hard. But no. I just, that line is just like, ah, you don't need that line it, in this movie. Is that that's this guy's motivation? He wants to... I agree with you that it's not necessary. I do also agree with your summary of that's where they were going with it, but I don't think they needed to either. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it's exploiting some some like racial fears yeah. that is not you know it feels a little exploitive and no, gross. It, it probably is. there's there's you know there's a a little bit of institutional racism probably in that that yeah. line that doesn't today it, today that probably that choice wouldn't be made especially because it that's not necessarily who the character is and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a focus of the movie. The clean no. heads are just kind of there to be muscle for Victor yeah, while, while he's in America. It, it could have been any other, you know, organized. It could have been the Italians. could have been Irish, right? It could have been anybody. It didn't have to be. Right, which is why it's so, it's so strange that it's there. Yeah. Which is like, why even bring this into the movie? So, so let me ask you this. We, we get some more buddy, you know, talk, them getting to know each other in the car and this parakeet thing. Mm-hmm. We, we can talk about that if you want. I want to know. You get the first instance with this parakeet notification of his watch. Is his watch a digital watch? It looks like one that you wind up, and we find out it's an East German watch. How does it sound like a Casio? Can yeah. you explain that to me? I mean, could you set... Were there watches that were analog watches that you wound up that you could like set an alarm somehow? Like, I don't when think... When our hand hits this like mechanical spot, it like, beeps or something? I am not a watch expert, but I don't think so. And it no, certainly wouldn't not. beep the way it does. It beeps like a Casio. No, you're right. It is not, I didn't think about it, but yeah, it, it is strange. It, it beeps like his watch in Commando. I was just going to say, I was waiting for him to give the Matrix treatment every time he looked at <laughs> right. it. Beep! Oh, I'm not looking at it anymore, so it will be completely silent. <laughs> at least this one justifies the beeping. It's parakeet time. Yes. Uh, speaking of Commando, I just want to mention the score, because this is another one by James Horner, and it's pretty similar to this Commando score. I, was, I, was, I didn't look to see who had done it, but it definitely felt, especially there was, it wasn't the steel drums, but it felt a little bit like the steel drums there at a couple of points. Yeah, James Horner had a real reputation for copying himself. So I not coming up with any new material. He's generally really good, and he, he sadly he passed away recently. So I shouldn't take, speak too ill of him. But he, he you know, he's not like uh, uh, the Beverly Hills Cop guy who would just play the same theme over and over in the movie. Like yes. in each movie, there's a lot of variety. But then he would like sample ba- his own stuff. Like the Aliens score, which is what he did. Aliens is basically the exact same as the Wrath of Khan score. If you oh. watch both those movies back to back, it's like this is all the same music, like <laughs> almost identical. So, I mean, he does this. So I just, I like the score in this movie, but it's basically the exact same as Commando. A little bit less steel drums, but still it's, a little it, bit of steel drums. It is very similar. Yeah. So they're going to head over and meet Gina Kershon's character. I know her first name is Catherine. I forget her last name. Um, uh, I have it somewhere, but I don't know where it is. I, I, did, I did enjoy being from here. Um, this neighborhood is a lot different today. I did enjoy a Wicker Park reference, because that is definitely something that's extremely Chicago that most... It gets back to what we were saying, and this movie doesn't focus on all of the kind of normal landmarks and neighborhoods. People probably, you know, everybody knows Wrigley Field, probably knows Wrigleyville, yeah. knows, you know, Michigan Avenue. 
Wicker Park, that's definitely not one that people would know. Yeah, they work in enough little references to make it feel like, uh, you know, a time and place. Yeah. Because also, like, later they reference 11th and State, which is where the police station used to be. Yeah. Not there anymore. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's nice to get a little bit of, they do it Variety. Enough, they do it the correct amount. Yeah. And you're right that it's very different because we have a mutual friend who lives in Wicker Park and we're probably both there enough to know that it's, it, it's, oh, it's pretty I mean, run down in this movie. Like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's changed considerably. I mean, it's a, it, it's almost an exclusive neighborhood. I shouldn't say almost. It is. It's right? very trendy now. Yeah. Yes. Extremely trendy. Um, but you know. Back in this time is when you should have been buying buildings in that neighborhood. <laughs> yes. You could have made yourself a lot of money. I, I did like Gina Gershon is doing an aerobics like dance classes teacher. She's doing it in high, heeled boots. No, 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 no way. <laughs> I missed that. Yes, heeled boots. <laughs> well, that's a perfect fit for my note here where I said, I'm getting showgirls flashbacks. Oh, <laughs> that is perfect. So I think that's probably appropriate considering where his, her career went. So, the, yeah, I was going to say there's only like two movies that I can remember her in. Showgirls uh, and Bound are the only two movies. I don't. I'm not familiar with Bound. I mean, basically, Showgirls is the only place I know her from. I think. Oh, she's in. Uh, oh, oh, she's in Face Off also. Yes, she's uh, Caster Troy's love right. interest. Right. So uh, those two. Those were my two. I think probably. And then yeah. now this. I'm sure there's other stuff too that I'm just not remembering. I don't think she does any dancing in Face Off, but here it's no. just like, boy, it's just her career is a lot of dancing and. The movies that she starred in. Yeah, she's fine in this. I mean, there's, you know, this. I think this was early in her career, too. This might have been one of her first major roles. Yeah, I think so. She's okay. I mean, I think she's better later when she's, like, starting to break down. And, and kind she, of on the run. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you know what? She, she's it's probably the one of the best performances in this movie. I really didn't think about it, but... No, I think she's pretty good. Yeah, she's good. So but, we learned that she, uh, she got married to Ross. We've already referenced it, but this is where we, we meet her and we learn that. Yeah, she's married to Victor, and then, uh, I mean, I guess that's all we learned. She didn't, she's not really involved. She basically says, like, I don't know anything about any of the, yeah, what she, Victor she, does. It's clear she wants to get away from the police, and I, I don't know if it's just because of Victor or maybe she has some, her, some of her own sketchy. Uh, Belushi kind of alludes to that she's a prostitute, but that's not substantiated at all, so you don't know that. Well, it is later when, when uh, spo- is it? spoiler, oh. but when she dies and you see the news story about her. Oh, I, yes. I forgot about Just that. Just as he tur- he's turning off the report, it says, you know, she was once arrested, up, arrested on yeah. a prostitution charge. You're right. Okay. Yeah, but it's not, it's very, it's not like overtly stated. Yeah, yeah. I think he hints at it somehow. So I'm sure he checked her record before they went there and he saw that and he's going to try to use it. Yeah, give her a dig. So uh, so then we get uh, Dank- Danko on a stakeout. Uh, he's going to sit yes. and stake out not, her apartment. Not another stakeout. Not another 48 hours <laughs> or another stakeout. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to stake her out, and then this guy comes by. So, well, over. first, just for plot, just to keep it moving forward, but for plot, he does write down the key number on a piece of paper, which um, right, yeah. is, a, is a good for establishing that when he ultimately loses the key, he has the number. But yes, then there's this, this random guy that walks up to Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting in a car and is looking to pick a fight. Not a, a good idea. A guy from, like, the Bronx or something. Like, yeah. if he's supposed Benson to be from Hurst. Chicago, yeah, this guy does not sound like... He's like Hey, you can't park here. This guy doesn't sound like he's from Chicago. He sounded like it was Arnold Stang. (laughs) He really did, yeah. Hey, you can't park here. I mean, basically. They probably hired this guy. He's like, oh, yeah, I can do a Chicago accent. It's just like, you know, why even do this accent? Like, he should have just not done an accent if he's not going to do a Chicago accent. It's like, I was just sitting there going, like, why is this guy from New York here? Like, all of a sudden. It it, uh, is is very disconcerting. Yeah, that accent. Bother me. His proposition is you give him 50 bucks or he takes his Pete Rose. Right. Which I, I did it. I, my note was 
Do you think that he has to gamble the 50 bucks because he's carrying a Pete Rose bat? <laughs> yeah, this was probably just around the time when all that was happening, right? Where Pete Rose was I, I, kicked was, out of baseball? No, it was before that because Rose was a manager. Oh, no, you're right, 88. This was probably right around that time, you're right. Yeah, it's still plausible that there would be a Pete Rose-branded bat. Right? Like, even a year or two later, there would have been somebody else. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, the, I, I, this, at least for me, this, this is another great punch sound. And I, yes. I... I, I, I <laughs> All the punches are this great. Is, this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because yes, <laughs> if he knows about Miranda. Yeah. Never heard of her. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird for such a relatively serious cop movie how comical the punches are. <laughs> the punches are funnier than the jokes. Any of the, <laughs> yes, the dialogue. Uh, yeah, because that punch, it, it, it is perfect it, comic timing. It's like, I've never <laughs> heard of her. <laughs> and then I actually think one of Belushi's best is when he walks up, he kind of... He kind of glances, so the guy is just out cold on, yeah. his, on the sidewalk yeah. next to the car. And it's probably one of the best lines Belushi delivers. Well, first, his, he looks at him, you know, kind of sizes it up and figures yeah. the tango just knocked him out It's cold. funny how he doesn't really react much. Not He's just at like, all. Ah, this is a normal thing that yeah, happens. This is what should happen. There shouldn't be a guy knocked unconscious on the concrete. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's like, what's with that guy? He's like, oh, he lives here. <laughs> fantastic i mean it's it's he's he's being very serious and delivering these jokes very dry i think it could have been a little more fun if you'd given a little more more of a wink but there's still he still has some jokes arnold does yes so from here uh well, before we move on i just want to since you'd mentioned that he writes down the code the, the, the key we learn later that ridzik's uh sister's ex like works at a i don't know if it's like a he's cons- a locksmith Okay, yeah. So, but he, why didn't they just make a copy of this key? Why didn't you just go to that guy and be like, "Hey, we have this key. Make a copy." Just in case. I mean, they don't know what it's for, but just in case they lose or whatever. I mean, that, maybe that makes sense. I I don't know what those with locker for like storage lockers. I don't know if you can have because no, I don't think you could have a copy made. Really? This isn't one of those like plastic ones. It was a key, key like a metal key. Right. But I know what you're saying, like the plastic ones that kind of, they don't have like a ridged metal thing. No, they have a ridged metal thing. What I'm saying is if you could copy those, then anybody could just take them to a locksmith and then be able to break into lockers. Is oh, that I guess what that's I'm saying. That's a good so point. I would guess there, maybe there's some way where the key replicator can't replicate those keys. I guess. I, I don't know. I, no. Clearly, I'm not a locksmith. <laughs> I guess. I didn't think about that, but maybe. I mean, I assume that's why they switched to those plastic ones, so they couldn't be copied. But yeah. This is not one of those. It's just... No. So you're probably right. The smart play would have been to go to him, but since he was, it sounded like he was always chasing him down for alimony, I'm not sure he would have done him a favor. Yeah, he just didn't want to deal with him, maybe. Uh, yeah, so they follow a cab. Gina Gershon gets in a cab. Gets in a cab and uh, takes off, and they, they follow after. You do get a good line about uh, how how they handle the, the drug trade. Well, Belushi asks about uh, if the communist government is so much better, how come they have the same problems with drugs? Yeah. And uh, uh, Arnold's character refers to China where they, they lined up all the drug users and drug dealers, the yes. users and the dealers, <laughs> yes. and just shot them. And uh, Belushi says something of, ah, that, ah, I could never Politicians would never go for it. Yeah. Shoot them first. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed I, that one. I just imagined that being followed up by Paid for by Arnold Schwarzenegger for governor. <laughs> for governor. Because <laughs> it's so, just having him say that, a future is politician, yes. is pretty crazy. Uh, and then they also talk about uh, the fact there's no insurance in yeah, Soviet that. Russia, which, speaking as someone who works for an insurance company, is like, oh, I'd be out of a job in Russia. I hadn't really thought about that, but that 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 was something that that's interesting. It's kind of interesting. The state pays for everything. Because like, yeah. Ridzik's worried that Arnold's going to crash the car. Yeah. Donko's going to crash the car. 
So they foolishly follow a cab into a parking garage, which for two police officers, they should have figured something was not right there. Yeah, I mean, maybe they just thought it's, a re- it's pu- parking garage are still relatively public places, but I assume like maybe the, the clean heads like blocked them off, like it kept people away so they yeah. could have this private meeting. So they, they set up this meeting where they hold Belushi hostage and have taken their, their firearms. And so you get... And a bad joke about, like, I'm not giving up my... my Chicago cop never gives up his weapon. Or, and they... And they <laughs> you know what? They do have machine guns. They just don't use them. You're right. They have machine guns. I forgot about that. They have something, because they go... At least a shotgun or something, because they go... <laughs> that's, that's the gag, as he goes, I'm not giving up a weapon. And then he immediately... <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. And, yeah. So maybe it was a shotgun. <laughs> something. So then we then get a, a face-off without any firearms between Danko and Ruska. Yeah, I like the scene. I like yeah. this. I think it's well acted. It, it was smart to have them have a conversation, even though you know uh, Ivan's not really saying much. He just kind of listens as uh, as Ruska kind of goes like, on lectures on. to him about you know whatever. He he did say that towards the end of it, without me, you wouldn't even exist. And all I had is I'm like, this guy's like Colin Crisp. He just he he thinks that this police officer has nothing else to do with his time and obsesses just over him yeah well in this case it's more believable in this one than it was with cullen yeah in this case he's pretty he's he's kind of right right (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's not clear if john kimball was obsessing about cullen chris but yeah i think donko he is very he's he is very focused he wants uh he wants to catch this guy but it's interesting how he's just kind of upset about like he tries to buy off donko and he's just like you know he's just annoyed that donko he's one of these communists who actually like Believes. Yeah, even when no one's looking, he still won't take the money and yeah. it, it, it annoys him. Right? He's a man of principle. Yeah, which is nice. Like, I like the fact that uh, Danko, that you could see a version of this movie made in the 80s where he comes to realize, like, oh, America. Like, you know, it's so great. <laughs> you, could, you could have cast Yakov Smirnov in this part. Oh. But by the end, America, <laughs> what a country. You could see him putting on the shirt, born to be bad. Right. Uh, so um, it's nice that he doesn't do that. He's still a Soviet by the end. Yeah, he just there, you know. So uh, from there, there uh, Ridzik just goes absolutely crazy. I think he drops a couple of f bombs in this scene too. Yeah, he's not happy that uh, he's used as as a bargaining chip. Which I don't know what he thought Danko was going to do. What no, was it, what well, was he going to do? Yeah, once the guns are taken, well, what was he going to do? Right, it's not his fault. Like, he, he acts as if. Uh, Ivan knew that this was going to happen. It's like, well, it was your idea to stake them out and to follow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what's he upset about? It's just... So they decided to drive to the hospital because the um, the other Russian who had been shot by Ridzik in the uh, the shootout has is now come to, and they can they can question him. Yes, Tatamovich. I have. Oh, nice! Name. You got me beat. I did not look that one up. When I when I can write, when I write down a name, I can remember it. <laughs> That's the only time I can remember, especially a name like Tatamovich. But uh, yeah, they go to see that guy. And the other, the, the, other, the other Russian is there. Yes, dressed as a nurse. Did, I happen to notice he really got in character because he even had a woman's watch on. So, I mean, he <laughs> really got the details right. Wow, I didn't notice that. Because I don't know if he was taking a pulse or something, but he, he looked at, he looked at his, his watch, and it was a, a, a woman's face watch. Huh. I mean, you think he... Like, they must have bought all these clothes somewhere. Like, he, he, I can't, I, no, I took it as it's like... Dr. Richard Kimball, he just he just walks in and puts on, he finds a uniform and puts it on. You found one that fit him like perfectly. Like, I, oh, I, that's a, that is a good. I, I mean, he seems like a kind of a small guy. Like, Maybe uh, he went to like a, a Halloween costume shop and uh, got got it, you know, from there. Right. Well, because there's not there's not going to be a watch hanging in a locker or something like that. No, that's true. So this this guy's there to kill Tatamovich. Yeah. So he can't talk. Gives him a lethal injection. Right? Yep. Uh, air bubble. I I didn't understand how that worked, but okay. I'm, 
the air bubble explanation. I didn't look it up to see if it was plausible, but I just... Oh, yeah, that's definitely the thing. Like, oh, okay. If you get air, that's why they tap out you know, needles, because oh. if there's any air, if you inject air in your blood, it's real bad. Like, if air gets into your heart, you're basically dead. Oh, it all right. Immediately causes cardiac arrest. Good so. to know in a crisis situation. <laughs> Is that your rule? Yes. Don't inject I air, might, air into your veins. I think I'm going to cross out my existing rule and come out with that one. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's body count number seven, Tatamovich. Yes, and he's so... He's killed in his bed. Yes, he's killed, and then... Um, Belushi and Schwarzenegger are getting there just in time. Schwarzenegger bumps into the nurse, and the uh, they they realize something's wrong, and the nurse takes off running. Yeah, well, takes off running because Ridzik comes out. They spot her, him. They spot him. Right. It's a man dressed as a woman. So yes. I know this can be tricky in the, you know, today. Yeah, these days. But it is, a, it is definitely a man just happens. He's in Trust disguise. Him, yes. So, so Ridzik spots him and goes, hey, and that's why he runs away. It's like, why did you shout? Right. You see him there. He was Go. just walking. He, th- right. he thought he got away with it. F- follow him, you know, sneakily chase him. It's because he's... Yeah, he, he shouts like an idiot. He's a terrible cop. He's a terrible cop. They even say that the captain says he has a line... Uh, I, don't know, I wrote it down somewhere. I'm just remembering it now. But something about, like, he's a good cop, but he totally screws everything up. It's like, well, then he's not a good cop. What right. are you talking about? Anyway, yeah. So there's a shootout. They've cornered the guy in the lobby. And yeah, the, and there's, so there's a shootout there. Gershon gets in the way. I, I don't know why. It's not her husband. Why is she getting in the way... Yeah, for, for this random guy, but whatever. And that, uh, why is she even there? Uh, well, because she had gotten in after the parking garage. She takes off and gets in the car with him. Oh, and he's going okay. And he's she's going just to the basically hospital. tagging along yeah, while she kills the guy. Yeah, because I probably because um, Victor wants to see her, and he's who's going to drive her there. That makes sense. So she just has to tag along as an accessory to murder. <laughs> yeah, she's like the the. While uh, the, the spouse is trying on clothes, and exactly. she's sitting in the, the lobby room. Exactly. So then uh, we the the man dressed as a nurse he uh, he he gets the bad end of it from Danko. Yep, number eight goes crashing through the window. Yes, very spectacular stunt. And uh, so for this movie anyway. Yeah, Gershon takes off and Danko takes off after her. Yeah. And then he fi- he finds her. He gets down to the basement. There's a locked door, which I don't understand why they're locked, but okay. Um, and he goes, "You are a stupid," and which I don't know why his delivery of that uh, I thought was kind of funny. And then he lets her go. So I, maybe not, you can explain why. I have zero clue. Yeah, I, I guess to gain her trust. I don't know if it's to gain her trust or maybe that he thinks that she might be good bait in some way to draw Victor back out. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It, I mean it. it they don't have a lot of leads at this point. They're, they had at, at one point they had three leads. I was actually, actually tracking them because I, I appreciated this as a movie that actually they're following leads. Yeah. To start, they had three leads. They had Streak or whatever. Was it, what was that guy's the lead? The guy that Streak. Uses, yeah. Okay, Streak. That basically tells them nothing. It tells them to go. They, they, they go talk to the guy in the prison, and then they have her. She's one of their, their leads, and then they had the guy in the hospital in the coma who's now dead. So she's their only lead, and he's still letting her go. I. It, the, I don't understand it. Yeah, and then that's after this, they go back to the station. And they're like, "Well, now we're out of leads." It's just like, "Well, I don't know why they. Why did I even let her go?" <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. And then yeah, later she calls him, and like you, you kind of think like, "Oh, this is why to gain her trust, so that she'll call and you know help them or whatever." But then that doesn't go anywhere. She ends up dead, uh, not in a bit, but still, like it. It doesn't gain them anything. It doesn't have a, a logical explanation of, and it, and it's too. It's not like she was a romantic interest or something for Schwarzenegger's character. I mean, there just is no connection of why he 
Yeah. Why do this? I mean, maybe it was at one point. Maybe it's another commando situation where it's just like, oh, audiences aren't liking this romantic, uh, you know. Cut it out. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So uh, I also, do you know why Belushi is getting a tetanus shot? I, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, he did get shot. Is that a thing? You're, if you get shot, do you get a tetanus shot? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's I've metal. never heard of that. It's metal. I mean, maybe it might, it might make sense. Uh, so I, you, anyway, I, it's, I just, it's, it's because they think it's funny. It's just like, well, he's yeah. getting an injection in the ass. And yes, just, you know the they want. That will require <laughs> a tetanus shot. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, they head back to the station where uh, Danko gets his gun taken away. And then he gets a new gun right away. Yeah, he gets a new one, <laughs> and even, potentially even more powerful and destructive one, but an American gun. Yeah, it's, it's arguable whether or not it's more powerful. It's because he, I looked up the gun he references, and I guess it's a made-up gun. It's not a real gun. Oh, okay. The Pod Baron 9.2 millimeter, but no, it's just entirely fictional. Then I'll, I'll take the Dirty Harry 44 Magnum. Yeah, he gives him the 44 Magnum. He goes, "Who is Dirty Harry?" <laughs> uh, so then you get. I, I kind of. I actually enjoy this moment and scene where they go to the coffee place but he's legitimately filling out paperwork yeah i like i mean they yeah. set it up where he's complaining about it and you hear about it in all kinds of cop movies i like that he actually is filling it out that's true it is very rare in a cop movie where you see them filling out paperwork yeah. and yeah it's in there they're kind of talking about or he's trying to ask about ivan's personal life and yeah not and getting very far not but. getting very much but you get uh, it's it's kind of been done in so many cop movies uh their you know father were Family was involved in the police. Danko's father was in the army. Whatever. It's it's. I, I'm not going to blame this movie. All cop movies seem to have that that formula. Right. Has there ever been a cop in, in a movie where you learn what their father did and he was not a cop? That's a good question. Yeah. He, no, he was a veterinarian. <laughs> right. I mean, I really. I mean, you, that, that's you the don't... script you need to write. Is the one where it completely surprised. Like, we find out the very first Jack Slater was a right. veterinarian. <laughs> That's right. The very first Jack Slater is not a cop. You told your dad. You told your dad the veterinarian. Dad, you told your dad the veterinarian. <laughs> that would be such a great line, actually. <laughs> I mean, but, but really, either you don't know, you never learn anything about their fathers, or they're always a cop. Yeah. It's just the it's the formula. This movie's just doing the formula. Pretty much. It's doing it pretty well. Um, yeah, it's doing it fairly well. I'm not criticizing it, but... Uh, and also, I did notice... The waitress really hates Belushi, too. I mean, just they have every woman in this movie hate him. And he's really not that bad to her. Ah, uh, he's pretty bad. I mean, he's if, she goes to refill his coffee, and he goes, like, I got it exactly the right color. What do you, you know, he basically yells at her, like, what are you doing? I guess. And then, like, two minutes later, he's like, hey, my, fill, fill her up yeah, again. It's like, you what are you doing? chased her away. I guess I think right. he's kind of being a jerk door. There's a Dr. Zhivago joke that's, that's in there that closes out this scene. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. he orders him, is it tea with lemon? Tea with lemon, yes, in a glass, I think. Something, yeah, something like yeah. that. I've never seen Dr. Zhivago. Neither have I. The one... <laughs> I had hoped you had seen it. No, that's the one David Lean movie, like the ma- one of the major David Lean movies I've never seen. I've seen I love Lawrence of Arabia. I, I love Bridge and River Kwai. I've never seen Dr. Zhivago. It's been on my list forever. And I think I, I, at one point it was on Netflix, and I was like, I'm going to watch that. And then suddenly it wasn't on Netflix anymore. It's like, God damn it. Curse Netflix. you. Curse you, Netflix. It's so frustrating. That was the one thing I did notice going through my list of Netflix. I don't remember specifics, but just, all the, just the number of movies are just like, well, that's not on Netflix anymore. That's not on Netflix anymore. <laughs> like, everything. Everything I watch. No, because it's basically become the TV service. Yeah, that's all like it is. No movies left. So. Uh, so Danko then heads back to his hotel, which he has about a million messages from 
who I said, I don't know if you noticed this, but I thought that the hotel clerk looked like Tim Robbins a little bit. So you had David Caruso. <laughs> I thought the hotel clerk looked like a little bit like Tim Robbins. Yeah, I can completely see that. Uh, yeah, I guess so this is so right away she calls him. Yeah, I not, thought it was farther in, but yeah, now that we're going through it. It's like, yeah, she immediately after he lets her go, she calls him and she, is like, I she need. calls him, but I don't know how she has his number. No, that's a good question. Yeah, how does she find out where he is? Like, you'd think it, it would have been a thing where he like gives her, like, when he corners her down there, tells her how to get in touch with him or something, or I'm staying at this hotel, or none of that. No, so, but what, I, yeah, it, it's not explained, but effectively she's, you know, come to the realization that she's in and over her head, and she wants to get out of this situation. So, okay, so actually, let me ask this real quick, because... Didn't think about this, but do you think she is still working? Do you think that was just a ruse on her part, on Gina Gershon's no, part? That's not what I took. Think it. she's I, genuine? She's not. Call, she's not working still with Victor. I, I didn't Victor think so. Victor immediately shows up. He he does immediately show. Oh, I didn't think about that. Like, do you think it was like she was doing Victor's bidding? Trying it could to, be, and then once she's no longer useful, he kills her. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, it's weird because she just disappears in the movie. She's this is the last time. She appears and she'll be dead soon. Yeah. So I, I don't even know why. It could be. No, you could be right that maybe he did use her to find Danko. Or something. And then immediately kills her because she doesn't have any value anymore. I don't know. Yeah. It, her role in this movie is strange because it just doesn't, it kind of dead ends. It, it's Literally. It's almost like they felt like they needed a female lead <laughs> I mean, and basically. just kind of put it in because... They so, could have given. They could have made Jim Belushi a female cop. That would yeah. have been probably more interesting than what they do. I don't disagree. So, anyway. it also was Carol Co. in the 1980s, and the studio that brought you Rambo. <laughs> That's true. Basic Instinct. Uh, Basic and, Instinct has a strong female lead, but whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, and Terminator Two, and, and Terminator Total 2. Recall. But yeah, no, Terminator 2 definitely that, that's has. That's a Corelco joint. Yeah, and very, very strong female. Yes, yeah, so there you go. That's the exception to the rule. Uh, so Victor tells, so he's got, I think it's four clean heads with him. He, he gives them the wrong room number because he's got, because they, he's seen from across the way where Schwarzenegger has hidden the key. He's hidden the key in the, in the light, the, yeah. the fixture up top. Okay, this, I didn't understand any of this. So please help me because, yes, he sees the room. I mean, he sees where the room is in the building, but right. so do all of them. Yeah. He finds I don't know if they see him put the key, though. That's what I took it as. They didn't know he put the key up there. No, and yes, because yeah, Victor's the only one with the binoculars, but they see where the room is. Yeah. And they presumably could figure out, based on geography, where what side of the building it is. Oh, but then, okay, wait. So he sees <laughs> the room on the register. He says, okay, 302 or 303, and he sends them to 302. Yeah. Which is across the building from 303 somehow. How are they not right across the hall from each other? I don't understand that. But in the end, why? What's he... You know, this whole, there's this whole misdirection where there's a, there's a girl in the room and like I guess the movie's trying to make us think that that's that are, yeah. Ivan's room, but we never believed that for a second. Like, I didn't believe it for a second. He's like, he's got a prostitute? Like, that doesn't seem like this guy. And it turns out, no, it's not. No. I, like, I, were I, we supposed I think, to be tricked into thinking? That- I think that, yes, the intent was to trick the audience to think that Arnold was in real danger. But I also think that the misdirection of the cleanheads was because he wants to get the key for himself because he, he doesn't want them involved in the deal anymore and he's moving forward without him. Yeah, but isn't the guy that he eventually does the deal with later at the bus station, isn't he one of the cleanheads? No, like- he's he's... From down in Juarez or somewhere, because it's come up through South America. He's no, not the guy at the bus. The guy who he kills in the bathroom uh, gives him the key to get the money, and the guy's counting the money in the bathroom and he shoots him. Oh yeah, 
So, like, he's keeping this key from them so that later he could give You're it right. to them. You're right. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, maybe he wasn't one of the cleanheads, but I thought he was. No, it I think he was. Isn't he the guy with the, with yeah, the he's got beret? A beret? Yeah, no, you're right. He is. I think he's one of them. Yeah, so that's the part I didn't understand. It's like, you're just going to give it to them anyway. What's this misdirection? It's like, he set us up. They get all like, upset. He's, Victor set us up. Set us up? What? For what? I don't understand any of this. It's it's a good once the shooting starts. It's a decent action sequence, but <laughs> yeah, I think the what, setup and all the misdirection. I don't the know setup doesn't that. make sense, but I think what it was is they wanted the misdirection to make you think Arnold was in some peril. But unfortunately, it's just Jim Morrison that is because that's <laughs> yeah. who I assumed was the the guy who actually winds up dead was Jim Morrison. Yeah, some poor rando uh, gets killed. So did did you? I, I, I mean, I didn't believe it for a second. I never the, this misdirection did not work on me at all. I was like, that's obviously. They're obviously going into the wrong. I didn't think so either, but what I did enjoy is so the the prostitute is um, watching. Did you look up Judge Jennifer Lewis? I did, yes. I I had hoped you would because it just brought a smile on my face. I'm like, is this the original Judge Judy? (laughs) Well, my note is just like, Judge shows have not changed even a tiny (laughs) bit in the last 25 years. I mean, have not changed at all. No, it's the same format. But did you find anything on Judge Jennifer Lewis? No, I mean, it was a fictional show. Jennifer oh. Lewis is actually the actress playing Jennifer Lewis. Oh, okay. So I think it's some kind of inside joke where, you know, you, yeah. they just... Somebody that's your, friends yeah. or whatever with... Yeah. We'll give, you a, we'll give you your own Judge show. I do like when the rando is being killed, because he's number nine, and the random, like shots of the like, intercut shots of the smiling people on television as just like the violence is happening a little bit like the running man <laughs> yeah i, I, I like I that. that that was really cool yeah uh did you i also kind of thought uh, maybe it's because of the a little bit of the almost steel drums i felt in the watch i felt like this was a little bit commando i thought the prostitute i didn't look up her filmography she reminded me not exactly but a little bit of radon chong yeah a little bit yeah. I, the, in the facial structure looked a little bit like radon chong i agree and the constant screaming yes you know, all uh, you needed was the steel drum in the background. Yeah, I mean, it, it is very similar. It's a, it's a similar movie. It just doesn't have like the first two thirds of Commando are kind of similar to this. This movie just doesn't have the big like apocalyptic yeah. ending. The Commando with has. the suit up scene as well. Yeah, I mean, basically, like the you know, Commando is sort of like a cop movie where he's following you know leads and things. Yeah, you just don't get the big. You know, I, I wish this movie had more of a climax than it does. So there's there's a shootout and a um, couple of none none of the, none of the clean heads make it out alive. No, yeah, Danko kills three and this prostitute kills one. Yes, the gun from her purse. And uh, so I also had in here that in this moment his watch beeps like in Commando actually at an inopportune time. Yeah, his parakeet gives him away. If only he hadn't bought that parakeet. So eventually you get. Um, Victor running through the hall and then just hurling himself <laughs> yeah. through a window. Very I also got at uh, at least on the DVD one hour twenty three oh three Arnold's face. It's not Arnold's face, but it is a really intense face that he has when he's running after him, and it just made me smile and laugh. So it was like one twenty three oh three. If you're if you're pulling it up, I'll see if I can find it. But what I also had is when. Vic- Victor's clearly not from Chicago because he's thinking that the Chicago River is going to save him, that he's throwing himself into. Oh, I know. That thing has got to be so it, shallow. Be, uh, beyond, well, not shallow, but beyond toxic. That is well, yeah. not something that you want to be in. <laughs> is it after this? I want to see. Yeah, so it's 123. Yeah, but the times are always different. Is it as no, he's jumping it's out? just after this. Yeah, it's, well, as they're running down the hall, his face is just... That is a little bit right on Chong. Yeah, there. she's, she's really screaming. So I, he misses despite being like right on top of that. I know. Th- nothing gets hit. She's so lucky. She's like right in the crossfire. Yeah, here it is. He's running down the hall. Just 
Here we go. Arnold's right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very determined face. And then, yes, he just hurls himself out this into the Chicago River. <laughs> that is a bad idea. So many toxins in that river. I mean, you're right. It's not the cleanest river in the world. But, you know, just the idea that uh, that r- the river looks, first of all, it looks so far from the building. He's not jumping that distance. Like, it's like a third story. It's from 3-0 whatever. He, yes, he's the- not making it all the way to the river. No. But also, the, the L train, I was trying to figure out where this could be if this was like shot at a real place, but there's no way. There's, the L train is out front of the building, and the river is behind the building. I'm like, there's no possible place in the city where this could be. I mean, whatever. Movies do this all the time where they yeah. cheat, cheat geography. Cheat. And yeah, it doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. But uh, I, I was trying to think if maybe this was a real place, but I don't think so. So the, the rest of the Chicago police uh, arrive, assess the hotel damage. And then this is where we get on the TV, as you said, a little bit about um, Gina Gershon's character. Being a prostitute and that she's dead. So this, I think this does count in the body count based on our history, correct? Oh yeah, I mean yeah. it was it happened off screen, but definitely you know she's a character in the movie. She, yeah. We have to count it. So yeah, she's number fourteen. Speaking of the the cops who show up, uh, Kurt Fuller, the guy, oh. the, the the mayor's aide from Ghostbusters too. Oh we, yes, we would yeah, know him yeah. from yeah the villain I, from the Old Bard from. We talked about him on the uh, the Running Man episode. So I'm going to make a connection because I can get two actors, small parts in this in the same movie. He's also in Wayne's World. Yes, as is oh right right the brother of his, as is uh, Jim Belushi's brother-in-law in this movie. Yeah yeah I, I I have his name the actor's name but he's like the the guy you get if you can't get George Wentz. Yes, that guy. Yes. Um. Yeah, but Kurt Fuller he has like no lines. He's just he's interviewing the the clerk. Kurt Fuller, you're way. You're, I mean, you're you're bigger than this. I mean, Running Man was his first movie, and it was a year earlier, so he was still pretty early in his career. But he's, he's he one, one of those guys where it's just like, oh, he's, it's that guy. He, he's that guy, and you, he's gonna have something that's probably funny. Not in this movie. Well, no, he, doesn't, in, he doesn't say anything. No, like, but if they, what I'm saying is, if they would have given him some stuff, he might have been better than Belushi in some of the comedy. Yeah, I, 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 I'd take that switch 100. <laughs> percent So yeah. Uh, body so, count 14. Body count up to 14 now. And then, so we head to the, the morgue. And what I don't understand is that um, Peter Boyle's character, Donnelly, you know, is, sending, is, is ending it. And why does Fishburne take so much pride? I, I just don't have the... I don't believe it that, he, that we get enough screen time that he really dislikes Ridzik that much that he's taking so much joy in Ridzik being sent back to the desk. I mean, it, it's set up earlier. It's more in dialogue because they don't interact enough to really see it firsthand, but you don't, isn't there some dialogue where they learn that Lawrence Fishburne's character, like, he said it was adequate or whatever, and yeah. when they took down no, those I, drug guys, and just like, oh, adequate, I, you know. He just seems to really, really enjoy this, that it seems like there would be more history than you really get revealed. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, I think the idea is that Lawrence Fishburne is this by-the-book guy, and he doesn't like, because Jim Belushi doesn't play by the rules, you know. I, I think that's the, the like, cliche of it, but you never really see it. I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's not, there's not enough there to really... To really believe in. Yeah. So in the typical formula, they of course don't follow orders, and Belushi goes to his brother-in-law, the locksmith. Yeah, and there's some book which is a whole book that like catalogs what every locks. locker and lock in the entire city of Chicago. I guess this was to me this was like a really lazy shortcut. I mean, it'd be one thing to sh- say like, well, this brand of lock is used by this company. Is this like? bus terminals and here's how you could tell that it's a bus terminal and not a 
you know, airport or something. Something that's not just, yeah, the big <laughs> book of lockers. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you just have to buy it, but it, it's just like they've had this key the whole time and it only occurs to them now. It's one of those things where the movie just doesn't, like, if, if they do this right away, the movie is 40 Over, minutes long. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's like, oh, hey, why don't we do this? It's like, you could have done that in the beginning. You had this key this whole time. But yes, they, they lead him to the bus terminal. Yes, and so at the almost the same time, Victor is making the drop and getting. Uh, well, I guess he's stealing the money back. Yeah, he gives the money. I don't know why he even bothers. I guess he needs to know how to get to the drugs. But yeah, so he needs the yes, he needs to get the correct bus information of where it's coming up from Texas. Yeah, so he, and this uh, the guy with the beret we talked about earlier. He was so, chewing the air. That really bothered me. Did you he's I did not chewing? notice he's chewing the air. This is all, this guy gets the Travis Bickle treatment, by the way. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I, I guess I was too distracted by him chewing. chewing. Because it's just chewing. He's, he obviously has nothing in his mouth, and it's just like, this actor is like, I'm going to chew. This is this is my acting this choice. Is, I was going to say, this just, is the choice that I've made. And like, I'm, 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 I'm just like, stop chewing. It drove me crazy. Sir Ian, <laughs> wizard, you shall. <laughs> chewing, 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 chewing. Sir Ian, Sir Ian. Yeah, but he, yeah, so uh, Victor kills this guy to get his money once he knows where the drugs yeah, are. Yeah, I like that. He, he wants his cake and he's going to eat it too. He's going to get the drugs and the money. But apparently the, the, these, this cartel or whoever he's getting the cocaine from don't have any process to verify that the money has been received. <laughs> that has been received and is still being held. Yeah, he gives the guy the suitcase with the money and says, oh yeah, put this right next to the drugs. The guy doesn't even think. <laughs> he is stealing from them right in front of them. Yes. Just bald face. Uh, which actually is kind of kind of fun. I was going to say, I give him credit, right? This is the most incompetent cartel. Like nobody verified. This is they, not Gus Spring in wh- any way. Yeah, whoever this deal is being said, because yeah, I think you're right that the the clean heads are just facilitating, right? They're just yeah. acting as a go between. They have the contact to the cartel or whatever that had, that actually manufactures the drug. Because the guy, he I'm ate- sure they make some sort of take or whatever as part of it. Right. Oh, that, yeah. Sure. So then we get a a standoff outside the bus terminal because Ridzik and Danko have just arrived. And the little old lady ruins it all. The little old lady, but first there's the moment where uh, Ivan turns his gun on Ridzik. I, I have my orders. What? I, I don't understand that moment. Because he's like, this, this is our collar, CPD, the Chicago police get him. And Arnold turns his gun on, and I, I just didn't buy that moment. I don't, I, based on what the, in, was in the rest of the movie, I don't buy it either, but... It feels like it's the kind of thing where they just went like, oh, this would be a cool scene. Well, why is he turning his gun? Ah, we'll figure it out later. And they never figured it out. They no. never made it work. No. I, it probably would have been better if they just would have had a chase scene to get to the buses and then do the buses. It's a cool idea for a scene. Like, if the whole movie had been them, like, at odds with each other, and it's like, oh, man, they might actually, like... Right, he might actually harm. shoot him. Yeah, yeah. Or just the fact or that Or one another. Yeah, well, the fact that he's Soviet, and it's like you don't... Like, if, if, if Jim Belushi didn't trust him or whatever, and it's like didn't, you know, actually thought something like that would happen, it just comes out of nowhere. It's like they seem like the best of friends. It's like, I have my orders. Right, because they're both disobeying what? the orders that they had. Right, that's true. To do that, and then all of a sudden he's going to turn on them. Yeah, but that's I, why I, so I, I think it would have been just better if they just would have had some sort of foot chase or whatever and then have the buses you know, be stolen. But yeah. we get there anyway. But each, each Russian steals a bus. One going to Montreal, the other to St. Louis, I think, right? Yeah, St. Louis. I, yeah. I think the idea that Montreal... It's, he's the one who wants to leave the country, so he gets the Montreal bus. I think yeah. it's maybe, it's, I don't know, but yeah, it's a bus chase, which I, you know, I like the bus chase. I like it. Did, I did not know what that landmark fountain <laughs> was. Did you look it up? I tried, here, I, I paused the movie and I examined the background. And I was like, 
Because it's it was obviously just a fake landmark. That yeah. was a Chicago landmark. No, it's not. What? I don't. I don't think it was. It wasn't even because it looks like a fountain in an intersection. Yeah. All it was, it was just a stretch of Upper Wacker, like it's like between Michigan and what's the street north of Michigan? Like uh, Wabash, I think it's Wabash. It's it's just a stretch of of Wacker Drive. They just stuck a fountain in the middle of the road in the middle of the night and, they just, ran, over and it. ran it over. And yeah. it looks like it's an intersection, but there's no intersection. They just it's just a random place in a nondescript part of Wacker Drive. It is the least. There's there's nothing landmark status unless about you it. consider like a stretch of a road landmark. Yeah, there's no landmark there. I thought maybe it was like Congress in Michigan or somewhere around there, like because there are statues there and stuff like that, like yeah. actual statues. I thought maybe they were trying to claim that. But no. what I did like, even though they looped it and reused the same um, uh, film, I I would have loved if this being and maybe somebody did it on YouTube. A, is a anti like promotional well not promotion but a, a, an anti to the parking meter deal from the daily administration because you've got the buses running over oh, yeah. parking meters they loop it and do it twice for whatever reason because <laughs> yeah. they destroy a lot of parking meters in this chase I just thought that would be absolutely fantastic for the people that are so pissed about the the leasing for ninety nine years or whatever it is of the parking meters I think I, I just think that would be hilarious yeah but those are the old fashioned parking meters We're you put quarters in so yes. I, th- those are the ones people want to bring back. Right, yeah, they, well, they want they the, the run city. over the, the, the crappy new the, ones, the, the, the current ones, the computers that, and all that. Well, yeah, that are you know fleecing people because it's run by a private company. No, they really are bad. I mean, I, I know. I, I was defending Chicago. I, I will. I, this is terrible that I'm defending the murder rate, but I will. That is indefensible. <laughs> but you the parking meter situation in Chicago is indefensible. indefensible. Don't ever park at a Chicago parking meter. For anyone who's thinking about you know visiting Chicago, park Uber. At, par, park at a, no seriously. Well, yes, Uber. I guess if, if you rent a car, park in a parking garage. It may seem like an exorbitant amount, $70 or whatever, to park for the day. No, do it. Take the garage. Do not park it at a meter. Ever. All right. Public, public service, service announcement. So we then get a Russian version of chicken. Yeah. Oh, I, we skipped over just to, I briefly need to mention he, he grabs the bus driver and says, get out and throws him out. Oh, of the bus. I missed that. You're it's, right. It's kind of under his breath, but yeah. it's like, oh. You know, it's, I missed that. I did not have that in my notes. That had to be mentioned, but yes, they play chicken. Just like Jack Slater. Just like Jack Slater. But this one, I'm pretty sure that if Ridzik did not pull the wheel, I think they might have run into one another. Oh, no. I think, I think Ivan Denko was perfectly happy to kill them both. <laughs> he was happy to... As long as he got to take out Victor with him. He was... It, yeah, it was, it was a win. He was doing it for Mother Russia. You know, he's, he's happy to sacrifice so, yeah, himself. So the, uh, the, cops, own, the cops bus flips while the... Um, uh, the the criminals he doesn't get away he just gets hit by a train <laughs> right but he survives it that's <laughs> why even bother doing that I don't know and I feel bad because very shortly after that we get some collateral yeah. damage this with poor, a poor train conductor this poor conductor I mean uh, we had some collateral damage earlier with that rando with the but yes there's, there's this, this is, is the first, more this, collateral yeah, this damage. is more co- collateral damage <laughs> well that's I mean that's a traumatic thing. You know, that's I think I know I've I've read stories about how like this is a thing that train conductors live in fear of, of yeah. just like things on the track they can't stop. So like this poor guy had to hit. He, I'm sure he was like thrilled, like thank God that that guy survived, and then he just shoots him. <laughs> it's a great villain move. It's just yes. like so callous, just like because there's no reason to shoot him either. He doesn't pose any threat. Yeah, I mean this. He's not really that kind of a villain up to this point, but it was just to like really seal the deal. Just like yeah. he's the bad guy. You want guy. this guy to go? Yeah, they had to. They the, they want to make the audience hate him so that when he dies now, yeah. when Arnold kills him. 
We'll cheer. So speaking of that, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about this final showdown? It's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's you know, I think it's one thing. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting the director. Yeah, Walter Hill kind of he tend he did a, he made a lot of westerns and even the movies that are not westerns had a lot of western you know, like the Warriors he made and that's a little bit like a western yeah so you know it it, it has that quality it's a showdown yeah it's, it's a it you might as well be at high noon walking down the street yeah I liked it it's cool it's like the steam from the trains yeah. coming and all that I, I thought it was well done. Although, although I will say that Victor shoots like five times and just whiffs on all of them. Well, he whiffed it like point blank inside the hotel. He, that's the thing is there are no machine guns in this movie. And, and it, to be honest, it's probably more realistic because it's actually really hard to hit things right. with firearms. But in the movies, it's not. So it's really contrast that they are, he is maybe eight feet away from that prostitute and maybe 10 feet or 15 feet away from our own hits nothing in that hotel. Yeah. And the same thing here. I don't know. They're probably 25 feet away from one another. He maybe hits, he's got a crappy Soviet gun. Maybe he hit the, you know, uh, it's not Danko a, has the 44 Magnum. It's not American workmanship. Yeah. Although he does say after he kills uh, Victor, that he, he prefers, prefers yeah, the, the Soviet model. Yeah. Uh, so then you kind of wrap up the movie. You get uh, them kind of bonding in a, I have a watch swap farewell. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, Ridzik knows what kind of watch it is. They had the whole conversation about the parakeet. He saw the watch. He shouldn't be surprised. Like, oh, this is a cheap East German watch. You know, you get. You, he, why are you surprised? He's not a good detective. So you're assuming that he realizes this. He's not a good detective. No, he really, he really is not. They talk about baseball, and this is the one line that I thought was pretty similar to Ivan Drago. Or they're talking about. He's like, oh, we play baseball in the Soviet Union now. Uh, you know, he says, I'll go. It'll be a hell of a World Series. V Vil Vin. Yes, you're right. And so it's almost like you will lose. I I also forgot because I did have in my notes is that they talk baseball and Belushi basically thinks no, it's our American pastime. The U.S. couldn't possibly lose. He couldn't be more wrong because Latin American players, yeah, and and even Japan in the World Baseball Americans, we've almost been overtaken at our own pastime. He couldn't have foreseen the the collapse of. American baseball. No, I mean, and don't get me wrong. There are some very good American baseball players, but it is I mean, very no. much a world game, and some of the best players are from Latin America, without a doubt. It's a it's a half of the world game. It's a yeah. Western Hemisphere sport plus Japan. Yeah, that's really. I mean, maybe they do play Russia and uh, baseball in Russia, but probably not much. Not very much. Um, yeah, and then we get this moment where he's he's get, about to get on the plane, and he salutes, and then he cut to him to Arnold in Red Square saluting. Just yes, they obviously just you know they, whatever the day they had to shoot there, it's like get an Arnold in there, salute. We don't know what we're going to use it for, just we'll figure it out. And <laughs> oh, it's the end of the movie. Let's just use it. Yeah, because it's an awkward cut. Like it's a match cut where he's saluting and then he's saluting in, in Red Square, but it doesn't match. Like it's it's an awkward cut. I agree. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's not a strong ending, but um, you know, overall, I think. As we let off with, it's not a bad movie. It's just kind of a movie that exists and kind of follows a formula. There's a few things that are kind of interesting, but yeah, I mean, it makes sense that neither of us, neither one of us, could remember because I mean, easily I, can blend. Yeah, give it ten more years. Yeah, it's not a just not a very remarkable movie, but it's well made, and you know, it's nice to see Arnold in, doing a relatively serious role. Even though I think we both agree it would have been fun to, you know, put Eddie Murphy like we said or yeah. somebody who's actually funny. In I there. was going to say I think it 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 could have worked a little bit better partnering him up with somebody else. Yeah, but I think I think he's good. He's doing a good job. The movie just doesn't support that kind yeah. of a performance. So anyway, yeah, so... We've so got, that's Red Heat. That's Red Heat. We had 17 bodies. We had one pun and uh, one Sven sighting, which is nice. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're catching up on our Sven sightings now. We've had two in a row. 
it's good. It's good to be Sven. It is. This might be his his best too, because that that really was a good sequence. Yeah, it's a, it, it's one of his more prominent roles. He has dialogue. It's yeah. Russian, but it's dialogue. He's actually in the credits, and he gets end. some of the greatest punch noises ever recorded. Yeah, I mean, I, this I think this may those may be the only two movies where he gets dialogue. Is this and the, the Running Man? The Running Man. I he may so. have dialogue in Conan the Barbarian. I don't remember. Well, we'll so. find out soon. It's very rare, though. Usually he's just like in the background yeah. or just, you know. It's, Standing it's, tall. Yeah, he gets to speak. So, uh, and then I, so it's it's my pick for it's the next pick. movie. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get a Sven sighting in this one, I'll say. Okay. It, uh, so I know it's not Conan now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, let's save it for, for later. Yeah. We're, we're ending with a rough Terminator episode, so yeah. I'm thinking. No, no, no. I just, I'm curious what it's going to be. Uh, so, you know, my tendency, I want to like find interesting comparisons like you know so this is a buddy cop movie and i thought okay what what would be a good follow-up to red heat okay so i'm going for another team up we're gonna watch escape plan oh going to the pre or post governor return yes you have seen escape plan and i have not so i'm looking forward to this i have and it's it's a it's more of a stallone movie than a schwarzenegger movie but he's once they are teamed up uh, it's pretty equal. It's relatively equal. It's I enjoy. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing it again because I I remember really liking it. Um. So yeah, I I, I think it'll be a good one. All right. Well, this one I'm gonna have my work cut out for me because I gotta watch it once just to actually know what happens and then go back at least one more time to get some notes. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's uh, tune in then and thanks for listening. You can follow us uh, on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast and write us emails at questions at bpamg.com. And remember, if you enjoy the show, please like and write us a favorable review on your podcast app of choice. And spread the word for anybody that you might know that are, lists, are interested in podcasts, particularly learning everything they can about Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, illustrious filmography. Yes. And so I have the task of ending the show with the latest rule in a crisis situation. Does it have to do with buses? It does not have to do with buses. <laughs> okay, I'll lay it on. So I had, to, I, had to, I had to work on this one a little bit, but uh, I think this is an appropriate and an important one. You should always know your rights, because you never know if you don't know. And just any rights, whether you're in a dispute with your insurance company, but in particular, if you're dealing with Soviet officers, you really know, need to know your Miranda rights, because otherwise you're going to get a punch in the face. That's right. So if you'd watched 80s cop movies like me and watched Police Academy and Dragnet, you would know your you, rights. You would know your rights. That's so, right. So yeah, know your rights. So, oh, yeah. That's, that's a, I like the rule. That is the show. And we'll be back with Escape Plan. Escape Plan.